Hey, you beautiful fucks. This is episode six of the Becoming Human podcast, and I'm your host, Will Nelson. If you're unfamiliar with this podcast, I explore people's pursuit of fulfillments. Basically, just how they fucking stitch together this mess that we call life. In this episode, I got to explore my friend Alexandra's journey. I met Alexandra at an open stage in Bellingham, Washington, where she assisted in cultivating a community of performance artists. And honestly, compared to the average venues that I've performed in, this place is like a magical fucking rainbow of art, housing every hue a person could exude. They, the way that they set it up is, instead of it being um, limited to only specific type of performances, it's completely open to any kind of performance that could be performed on a stage. So a lot of fascinating shit comes out of it, and it also um, creates a sense of vulnerability that it really opens up your perspective, and it really helps you connect with not just your audience, but the community at large. Um, hmm. let me think. Oh, if you happen to be in the area, uh, first Tuesday of every month, open stage at the Bellingham Alternative Library in Washington. I've never been to an alternative library until about a fucking month ago. Holy shit, that is, it's different. That's for damn sure. Uh, basically, I think they, they have books on activism, fucking black magic, how to cook a cat, how to turn it into a fucking sheep. Uh, and kids books, I do not know what kind of kids books, but probably be fucking interesting, uh, gonna check out, check it out more, and yeah, and there's even one in Seattle I'm gonna check out too, it's like, has this weird door and a fucking sandwich sign, if it's face down, it's open, some weird shit, uh, anyway, Alexandra is a musician in the band, The Living Arrows, we, in this episode, we also discuss her interaction with the world, the meaning of self-expression and what is critical for us as individuals to stimulate our satisfaction, our fulfillment. Because as I'm going along, I'm learning that nothing is really cut and dry, nothing's black and white as I think we'd all like it to be. It's A lot of it's gray, and a lot of the presumptions that I had were entirely false, and I'm really learning a lot from this, but anyway... Uh, Alexandra helped me to actually identify the alienation that's permeated my experience in life with wanting to create and suppressing, I guess, my dreams and my goals and the ways that I wanted to express myself. I would always kind of keep it, keep it behind closed doors. Like I was ashamed of something. And I had a lot of big inadequacies. And over the past, I believe, year now, slowly those inadequacies have been unraveling. And it's more or less uh, self-realization and becoming self-aware and learning to love myself. Before we begin, I'll play you in a track by The Living Arrows. of your form adorned the shallows storm on the horizon and the stone upon my palm falling prey to every fear that gathers in my shadow skipping stones toward rosy fingered dawn 
studied environmental education mm-hmm. mainly out of selfish reasons because I just feel better when I'm outside yeah um, and this was a job in that field it's actually through AmeriCorps uh-huh. which is like a nationwide volunteer oh yeah I think program I'm so I'm officially volunteering full time for the parks but I get a stipend from the government to live on really and food stamps and stuff that is cool yeah um but i have discovered um just a lot of joy in sharing space with kids mm-hmm. and sharing nature with kids yeah. in different ways and it's just one of the jobs in that field that I have mm-hmm. <laughs> and that will pass it's actually only have two weeks left of the job you do I, I've been doing it for 10 months oh my goodness yeah how do you feel it's been a very wonderful year of learning but I also feel really ready to not be working 40 hours a week again yeah I can understand that um but yeah I'm really gonna miss it lately I've been getting 
a few different chances to do restoration work with the Boys and Girls Club. Oh, really? Yeah, and those kids are awesome. They're super fun. And it just feels pretty meaningful because mm-hmm. they don't get to do that kind of thing that much. And I've just been showing them the different parks and yeah. empowering them to feel like they can do good mm-hmm. in the world. That's really cool. We're surrounded by propaganda that's talking about how harmful humans are. Yeah, I can I can understand that and how kind of bitter this whole world is. And yeah, and just being surrounded by terrible influences. So Terrible influences like how? Uh, I'm so interested. This is cool. Well, I don't know. If you just look at the media, it's all about consumption. Mm-hmm. And it's so shallow. And it's all about imitation rather than authenticity. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing now. Like, Not even just with podcasts, but with um, the music and stuff. Oh and how God. freely accessible it is. Mm-hmm. I think that has created a surge in authenticity. And people are craving it. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, yeah. They can tell. I think it, I think it's beautiful and it, it's really interesting because if you actually like, I looked at the news. I would, I would watch news, um, it was like a news segment from the '60s, and '70s, and stuff like that. And then the stuff from today. I've watched a lot of like the presidential addresses and mm. stuff. And nothing to do with the pol- political side of it, mm-hmm. but it's how they represent themselves. Whoa. And even on the news, it Whoa. was. Like, here's our world, cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. And not even cookie cutter, like, um, not being prudent at judgment, Mm -hmm. but the way that they would say it, they're like, this is very harmful to you. Like, they were talking down to people as a whole. Hmm. And I think that given the... um, that they use that they have used psychology psychologists and for advertising and also mm-hmm. for PR I would believe that they were under the assumption that that is what we wanted mm. and it was it was interesting or that it's what would work on us yeah <laughs> or something it's because it, that we want somebody to take our own steering wheel so to speak so that we can yeah yeah it seems like a general like numbing down mm-hmm. of the senses that's interesting to compare like historical news i mean wasn't it like the vietnam war was the first televised war Mm -hmm. that resulted in people being in an uproar about how horrifying war was yeah and ever since they've been like okay we got to control how we present yeah exactly we got to kind of keel it back a little bit yeah Mm. and i think they've uh like recently the whole idea which i'm not to bring anything down because it is very sad it's very heartbreaking but a lot of the shootings that have happened recently mm-hmm. statistically we are in the safest time that we have ever been I know, it's, just, totally. it's just it, it's how well you know it's with like the percentage straight. of people that are being just like killed meaninglessly or the number of people yeah. based on the population or something like that doesn't make it right yeah but i just i i feel like the way that it's presented, it's not like, let's have a solution. It's uh, outrage. Panic, or, panic. Yeah, it's Jersey Shore, but real. Hmm. Okay. But that auth- rise in authenticity, which I think is undercutting uh, television and stuff like that, media that's controlled by... Uh, Materialism. Yeah. And the, the, our real desires are coming out because no one's trying to advertise anything to us. We're one entity, as mm. in a corporation trying to advertise to an in, or individuals or in mm. mass. Now mm. it's individual on individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so much more interface. Mm-hmm. At the same time, to me, that means there's a lot more noise to sift through. 
Yeah, that's I couldn't like, agree more. You give a megaphone to every person in a stadium, and it's like gonna be fucking pandemonium. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling that right now, like a little bit overwhelmed by all the voices that I don't know. Everyone who already had a voice is now speaking louder, and like those who are finding their voices are, I don't know, still obliterated. Yeah. So I don't know. I just definitely want to create a platform for like the kids that I'm interfacing with. Mm-hmm. to feel validated and um, just affirmed in their individuality. So more or less um, setting the foundation in a solid, or helping set a solid foundation for their emotional well-being. Yeah, and just feeling themselves in the context of the whole. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that I studied at Western oriented a lot around like place-based education, which means... Um, instead of learning about like I don't know European history or something it's like find out the story of the place where you reside and like understand where you are why are you where you are like um, wake up you know to like what you see yeah instead of just the wallpaper around you and like living in a virtual world or like a hypothetical yeah um Anyway, I think it it does a lot for people's identity to feel rooted where Mm -hmm. they are. And that's something I didn't really know of. Where I grew up, I didn't feel connected to the place. I was in the suburbs, and I had, like, favorite nooks and crannies, but um, have really, really discovered that since moving to Bellingham, like, how much being connected to your land, whether in a literal way like gardening or something or in a figurative way um, of just being conscious of the space that you inhabit um, how, how meaningful that can be for I don't know just how you make choices in your life like people yeah. are so disconnected that we're throwing away their world that we live on oh yeah I see what you're saying they don't attribute any value to the surroundings around them that's merely disposable in a lot yeah. of ways and, and how do we understand ourselves without context yeah because it's all relative in the end right. and we use kind of like blind people with the clickety that's that's horrible but clickety clacks <laughs> or with the cane we're, we're using um like the echo sound that, yeah exactly the yeah. echoes off the world around us and if we're disconnected to it or completely in a virtual space yeah it's especially we've been doing this for so long right that it's it's very deep in our psychology yeah. and we used to having like a friend community but i don't think we think much outside of the community of humans and i think there's more to it i would almost i would agree with you especially think considering some things that i've seen with um empathy mm. it's they've found it in chimpanzees and Mm. stuff like that and there was the researcher who found it in the chimpanzees proposes that animals are more complex than what we give them credit for and we're less (laughs) complex than we give ourselves credit for in the end that's interesting yeah yeah (laughs) because they had the um i think it's they they pick bugs off of each other Mm -hmm. and what happens is or what happened in the study is that they would pick the they'd get the bugs picked off of them and they would remember by the end of the day and they would help them give more food Aww. to the ones that pick the bugs and there's even accounts of like uh that's friendly arson. there's some reciprocity there yeah exactly and it's it's not just to us we don't yeah other things care about each other i know it's funny that we assume whenever and this goes for human to human interaction too whenever mm-hmm. someone has a 
different perception, different sense than us. We assume it's inferior. Like, like this tree right now, how it might be sensing the world or like its awareness of our presence or its awareness of like the health of the soil or yeah. if it's getting its needs met. Um, we just assume that they're less than, or I guess to put it in a more clear way, we assume that the human perception is the pinnacle of all perception. Yeah. Um, which takes away so much empathy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even we even underestimate little kids. Like, they can't understand that, what we understand. Exactly. That, I run into that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and you're like, you have no idea what this kid is picking up. They yeah. are perceptive. And... Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I think acknowledging that could really open up a lot in terms of empathy, mm-hmm. which would hopefully result in acting a little bit more sensitive and looking at it if you come at it from a not a clear-cut way but uh well how would this in in every way that you look at it to produce more empathy on a whole or focus on cultivating empathy as a whole sociologically or mm-hmm. in a society mm-hmm. is always beneficial to everything there's like whether it, even if you're looking at like you mean like uh, more empathy is always better for the health of a yeah for for a civilization it and could be unless you just got lost thinking you knew how other people felt yeah <laughs> uh, which could be Couldn't start a, a rabbit business. hole in exactly. its own in its own way um, everything in moderation but yeah I just think expanding our sense of community mm-hmm. is what I'm getting at and. I definitely, that's actually something that I was going to ask you, too, um, with your band, The Living Arrows. Mm. Uh, I, I imagine you experience it, well, now knowing more of your background, though, I, I know you experience it often. Uh, something that I was left with, or without, is a sense of community. So I didn't have a family. Um, it was just me and my mom and all that other stuff. And then I've never had friends, really. Like, I've had friends, but they were always friends at a distance. Mm. And so I've lacked that community. And I've met other people who are kind of in that, but they trudge through that. And they never kind of realize, what what is this unhappiness? or um, un- missing. This, yeah, what, why am I so dissatisfied? Mm-hmm. And do you believe that for, in the sense of not happiness, because happiness doesn't happen all the time, but for fulfillment, mm. that community really is crucial and that we're lacking those tools Hmm. and today Hmm. I I feel disconnected I only talk to people on Facebook like if (laughs) if I didn't reach out and try to do other things that's the standard for me I think well yeah we're social animals Mm -hmm. that's a fact that I've heard and that I've witnessed um And we're living in a culture that has idealized individualism and, like, self-sufficiency. Yeah. Um, Combine that with, like, the digital age. Mm -hmm. And you do have everyone thinking that they're alone. Alienated from the society in which they live. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of friends and I were talking the other day and cracking up about how everything you want to learn you can just look up on youtube Mm -hmm. instead of maybe some generation one or two generations ago um where you'd like ask your dad or your grandpa Mm -hmm. like how do i change a tire or like how do i tie a tie yeah 
or how do I boil an egg or something? Yeah, exactly. YouTube. I learned how to knit a sweater on YouTube. Okay. Are you serious? Uh-huh. I can oh show you the sweater. It has gosh. all the holes in all the right places. <laughs> I didn't ask my grandma, although she has knitted dresses for like, you know, years oh, for wow. all of the children in her family. So it's like just sort of a weird thing. So the family community. Mm-hmm. We also spread out like the global age. I don't know. I live... 2,000 miles away from my mom, dad, and brother. Mm-hmm. Which I sometimes think is weird. I sometimes get lonely. Yeah. For them. Um, so I would say, yeah, I think senses of interconnectedness really improve people's actual well-being mm-hmm. and sense of well-being. Um, and I've been thinking about it a lot, too. Again, like in terms of acknowledging other animals and plants as part of our family. Yeah. I read of this term called species loneliness, Mm -hmm. which is like we are destroying biodiversity so significantly we're in a mass extinction right now. Yeah. And people never like get eye contact with a wild animal maybe in their whole life. And there is like an emptiness that goes with that. Mm -hmm. You don't know about it. I don't know about it because I've never had the alternative. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But it's a thing. And it's crazy. Anyway, so that's like the advanced if you have everything perfect, you still might have that. But in yeah. terms of human connection, <clears throat> I think that's probably a big part of fulfillment. Um, I've... I think the ducks are hungry. Yep, it sounds like they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, at the same time... And this is simultaneous to all the other... phenomena that we're talking about Mm -hmm. people are like more surrounded by false connections than ever and we like think that we're sharing everything and we are like on a pedestal announcing things to the world via Facebook like 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 yeah but it doesn't make you feel together it like feeds your ego it's a peacocking and yeah it's a peacock and it brings you down or like maybe it makes you heavy one day and makes you fake Flying yeah. around lightweight some other day, and it, it's just not substantial. It's like eating it's, high fructose corn syrup it's, uh, what instead it, of cantaloupe. Yeah, diminishing return almost in a lot of ways. Mm. Like the more you, it's the more you put into it, it doesn't. It's kind of stays the same, and it kind of gives back less in the yeah. end. It's but seeing how addicted false. people are to it, I think illustrates how craving we are for connection. Yeah, you know, we're like, oh my god, trying to seek fulfillment. Mm. At the same time, I think a lot of people seek fulfillment in their relationships and in their intimate relationships and don't find it because they don't accept themselves to begin with. That was the problem that I've kind of seen, and I've even seen it with people that they don't have a problem with it. That It's kind of, it, it really contradicts itself, but mm-hmm. they're in a situation where they have a very nice relationship and they like, they spend all their, their world is themselves, like each other, mm-hmm. and then they're, they're, they're not interdependent, they're more or less dependent. Yeah, they're and, comfortable. Yeah, and I think it's, it's very common that you see that, and I've met people on the beginning at that, and on the end, in their end of their years, mm-hmm. and I asked them, like, so how was your life, uh, you know, what, what was it like? And this is no way indicative of the whole, because this is just an yeah. anecdotal example. Isolated. But they didn't do anything. They're just, they're comfortable, like yeah. you said. Every day, day in and day out. Right? And what was their opinion on that? They just said, well, we've been doing this for a while, mm-hmm. you know. I just, we, 
doing it to make it work and right now I'm too old to go out and do those things you're crazy mm-hmm. there's not like regrets around it though or? Um, I've I've heard regrets across the board mm-hmm. except from the couple side hmm. where I've heard regrets from like uh, I know a chef and he makes $80,000 a year he's my former boss and he was it was either horticulture or cooking he went into cooking got calcium deposits in his back from standing on concrete for so long can't bend over anymore uh works six seven days a week and he makes eighty thousand dollars a year that at the the top of where he wants to be mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be there mm-hmm. it's all he does mm-hmm. he doesn't he does it he's required to be there mm-hmm. more or less and i think a lot of people kind of get to that situation because mm-hmm. I don't think we're, we operate in that way. We're one track. This is what I want. Totally. Mm-hmm. And we're trained to think that that is normal. Like, yeah. I've had some qualms with that. Um, it sounds like it, it was maybe a creative passion for him to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like a genuine interest, but turned into slavery or just like habit. Yeah. And kind of following through, following it, and not, not kind of questioning. You just going with it with the momentum. Yeah, maybe the same way like <clears throat> a long-term, complacent couple partnership yeah. can limit each other. So can like a hobby or a profession. Yeah. That. <laughs> while you chose it, and while it excited you to begin with, yeah, it ends up being sort of um, a constraint. Mm-hmm. And Tracy and I talk about that a lot with our relationship because we've. It turns out that we're spending a chunk of our lives together, yeah, and want to make sure we continue to be growing mm-hmm. individually, yeah. Um, instead of just being like, "Well, this is it. We're at a dead end now." Um, but I think that that takes intention. That takes consciousness. It it does. You can't just I let it fall to the wayside and just let it be. It's kind of mm-hmm. like with any friendship and mm-hmm. reality, with anything really. Right. It takes and, cultivating. Yeah. And I always assume, well, I guess my personal experience is that I have urges of seeking and urges of like pushing my edge, but maybe everyone doesn't have that impulse. Mm-hmm. And thus you can just fall into a a habit for your whole entire life and not question it it is true or maybe everybody does maybe that impulse is awakened by pivotal moments within your own life right yeah it's like and that's kind of i met uh i guess my mom the one 60 year old lady that hasn't done anything ever until 60 and then um her her mom a couple i don't know i met another guy who was kind of like this uh they died just uh once kids were gone they'd just they'd sit and watch tv and they get really fat mm-hmm. and they wouldn't do anything they didn't want to be around people mm. they just wasted away kind of deal and i don't i think those would be the people that have never gotten that that pivotal moment in their life or someone something to trigger them to ask like why yeah. like do i feel satisfied what, what why is, not <laughs> what is this life what is this world what the fuck am i doing i mean yeah. God. There's just an unlimited amount of things that are easily accessible now that are so fucking fascinating out there. True. Just, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I think I often forget that that's an option. That like boredom and complacency is even a thing because we're in such a vibrant community here, and like everyone I know, everyone in my personal circle is like unbelievably creative and just vivacious and 
lost and mm-hmm. depressed or like even if it's negative it's just still drastic and like yeah. um saturated with life force I, I can see that maybe depressed isn't in that category actually but you know what i mean like if they're tragically poetic or mm-hmm. if they're like exuberantly they're expressive yeah, they're passionate expressive about, somehow, yeah. about their state of being regardless of what it or is or they're like pissed off at the world yeah. or they're like in love with the world whatever it may be I don't know many people who are just like in Netflix land mm-hmm. yeah and I know they're out there see them on Western's campus <laughs> yeah you just don't run into them because you're living this essentially this a journey that is completely off track from Netflix life yeah. In a lot of ways. And yeah. The only way to bump into that is to not, I don't want to say fall to that because it's not black or white. <laughs> no it's judgment. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you don't get to that point. And mm-hmm. that's when you would meet such people. And I mean, yeah, like you're saying, it's not like there's one yeah, I, extreme or another, but um, just to express that I forget about the other cultural. Mm-hmm norms of not seeking not pushing for your highest potential yeah um and i and not like looking for the fucking meaning of life yeah exactly people i know seem to be doing that or at least trying to change the culture that we live in because they see that it's hurting everyone and that's why i say you're alive why aren't you not why aren't you doing something specific but why aren't you doing something like that because in the end i don't know uh if if, I, don't, I don't know if you play video games. I'm not even knocking on people who play video games. Fuck I've it. played video games. You play it, and <laughs> my whole idea of it is the more you play it, the more you got to buy, and the more time sink it is. But, like, if you jog, if you paint, the more you paint, the more it gives, the better it feels, the better yes. you are at it. And I think I live in a place, or I've wad through, wade through a place where I meet a lot of people, like, especially what I do for work. Because I install auto glass, so mm-hmm. I'm in this more like well, I'm gonna, ins- I'm gonna, I'm doing this because I need to make money, mm-hmm. and I'm doing this because I can, I have hands that operate efficiently. And everyone who comes to you for service needs auto glass because they need to drive to work yes. so that they can pay their car payments. Exactly. <laughs> so when I talk to these people, so what do you do? Well, you know, I just went to the bar last weekend, and um, what was it? I watched this really cool show on Netflix. Like, yeah, but. But what else? And then tell me what makes your heart sing. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're often paralyzed, or like folks who are experiencing that paralysis or that maybe lack of drive or something, Mm -hmm. because of what we were saying about being told that there should be like you should have a passion, that you should know what it is, and you should have a career path, and you should pursue that. Mm -hmm. If you don't fit into that box, and you're like, but I haven't decided yet, Mm -hmm. or I don't think that's the path for me. You end up just maybe doing nothing because the other options aren't very much advertised. And we're in a pocket of people pursuing the other options, like unschooling their kids or building tiny homes off the grid. or Life change. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so maybe just knowing that it's an option to be different and to follow your impulse and to be told that you're creative. Yeah. I don't know. To uh, be vulnerable, I think, is a big thing. And I've kind of... Totally. I hear my favorite bird, I think. Oh, really? You might have a chance to see it. Let's go right here. Do you hear them? (laughs) Yeah.
kind of birds are they, do you know? It's called a cedar wax I've never heard of one. Oh, they're extremely oh. cute. It's brown. Like khaki brown? Yeah, like khaki brown. Why do you see it like that? Yeah. Oh. Oh. oh, it's like in the background. Yeah. Oh, it's a little Keep listening to their little whistles. I need a house so bad. Where do you Alexandra. live? Cedra Woolly. Oh, I was just in Cedra Woolly today. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love being able to be outside. You live in an apartment? Yeah. I've been stuck in an apartment. Well, that, this is the first part. That's fine. The, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm trapped in a box because of it. Because, you know, to leave your apartment, you got to get, drive, and be, that's sketchy. I don't like that feeling. No, I do not. Oh, man. Another thing I think goes hand in hand with it, which you just reminded me of, is, yeah. like, people's disconnection. Like, I was talking about place-based education, like, uh-huh. the place that you live. Well, we also live in a body. Yeah. That I think we often forget about. Or, like, the culture at large forgets about. We forget about sensing our body. Oh. Like, how do I feel? Yeah. Like, everyone's probably fucking dehydrated and hyperventilating. And really tired because their stomach's all heavy trying to digest. I don't want to say all the it, beer. but carbs and beer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Regardless, we're, like, numb, maybe in a literal sensory mm-hmm. level. And if you're not sensing your body and your physical space, I don't know, are you going to start sensing your mental and spiritual and yeah. emotional space I don't know I think we're just really disconnected from yeah. operating off of impulse yeah and just not asking what you what your needs are or not having access to meeting your own needs and that's yeah. a huge thing like I've been so privileged I don't know that I can't take like any credit for the successes in my life I haven't overcome adversity to do the things that I'm doing um, because I've always been safe and healthy and thus have the capacity and the space to think like what's my whim like what do I want it's not like how am I going to feed myself yeah it's what do I what am I in the mood for that touches on the whole aspect of higher consciousness too and then the reptilian yeah whatever that little brain thing is where you operate off of your fight or flight response your yeah. survival right and then the on the that outer, hierarchy yeah you want to walk in the garden with me and we'll feed the dog yes let's do it yeah i'll leave my backpack there yeah. and the crazy thing is though is like the community aspect i've really felt it through doing uh, mixed martial arts oh cool yeah it, it is and being somewhere like over 10 hours a week with the same people over and over again you really get to yeah and you're in moments that I probably have never bonded with someone as intensely as I have in the whole situation (laughs) oh I miss ducks we used to have or my buddy has a bunch in uh, Idaho And you got fish? Yeah. Oh my god. They're what? Oh, well, that's so cool. Yeah, right 
parents and tries to eat them. What? I didn't know parents try to eat them. Huh. And so, so it's more or less of a community aspect instead of you guys kind of privately doing this. Oh. Between friends. Yes. That is cool. Yes. I'd have to consider that. It's the only way mm-hmm. that we can have this crazy jungle. Well, and that's what kind of makes it more or less eclectic and diverse because you have multiple perspectives contributing to it. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it cool. Right? Yeah. That's Layers. In any direction, if you don't have something different around yes. you to make you question yourself. Exactly. Something, something that fundamentally kind of wiggles your box. Wiggles your box. Wiggles your box. Step yeah. you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, or just expose you to something outside of your own assumptions. Yeah, exactly. Plum? Yes. Oh. 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 oh so close. They're extremely juicy. Are they really? Everywhere. Yes. Those are the pigeons. Whoa! I've never seen a spotted pigeon before. Mm-hmm. They're very pretty. Yeah. Little red things. I was expecting like pigeons I've seen down by the water. Or by the docks. <laughs> Carrier pigeon. <laughs> Extinct, unfortunately. Very unfortunate. Were there like a huge mass or a, a big number of them and then there was a mass killing? They didn't slowly die off? I don't know what Check out your house. Oh, electricity! What? It's so cool. What? Really like that. There's, I didn't even know there was power too. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's the ultra on the down low part. Yes. Regarding city mm. approval. It wasn't power, I mean. <laughs> it's uh, plant powered. Yeah, it's magical energy. <laughs> it's the strange thing that I noticed though about that whole you know, community with an MMA and MMA? Yeah, because Oh the martial arts. Yeah, with martial arts it's because I'm not it's one thing that's developed more security within myself than anything. Why do you think that is? Because I, my nose is in someone's ass crack. At least once a night. It's like, that's the reason? It, yeah, you, you're kind of... <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're, when you're with someone, so... I, I People that I've talked to, some, some experience this, some don't. I guess it's just a difference between your... Um, your, your confidence level, your upbringing, how you see the world, I'd be around someone and I would always think my anxiety would come out, like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not appealing to them in any way, so they're just going to never want to be around me again, Mm -hmm. and then they're going to leave. 
because I'm not worthy. And in the end, I'm just projecting my own self-loathing. But right. when you're doing martial arts, you're just there. And you can't, you don't have space to, to not be present. Mm. You have to be present with them and you have to enjoy them for what they are because you have to pick up on them. You have to watch them. You have to really take them in because well. if you're not... You're just you're not you're gonna lose, ground. yeah. So your your self worth is tied up with your presence to reality, yeah. Rather than like preconceived notions and doubt. And trying to be something other than yourself. Yeah, I think self worth is really tied up in the whole concept that we're talking about too. And I think about that with um, a lot of the kids that I work with. Yeah. And- um, and in the open mic night, actually, mm-hmm. that's like a huge factor that I think about, which is people, marginalized people, especially, I think, are silenced for a myriad of reasons, but mm-hmm. um, that the cycle continues because they're told or told indirectly or directly that their voice isn't worth anything or that they have nothing good to offer the world or like you in your social anxiety, like that you have nothing worthwhile to offer to the person that you're with. Yeah. Whereas like, I want to tell everyone that they have a gift, Uh you know, and that I'm so thankful for them Mm -hmm. to be giving that. Yeah. Or to be searching for what it is if they don't know what it is. Um, and so in like environmental stewardship, these kids are like, giving their gift to improve something or at least to connect to something Uh with good intentions even if it's futile and doesn't last those I don't know that intention is powerful or if people are performing something from their heart yeah um I don't know they're just starting these chain reactions and acknowledging and affirming those that those people's honesty or vulnerability Mm -hmm. is worth something I think it can grow and then they can affirm others rather than like you know when you're feeling down about yourself you can be really judgmental about everyone else too yeah perception (laughs) of the world changes very very much and I I see that in the opposite way too when I hear people speaking very judgmentally of others yeah who the fuck that guy think he is like smoking a cigarette and riding his bike like what's his problem yeah what I hear is someone judging themselves and thinking that they know what's right wrong worthy and unworthy it's, most of it's projections all of the shit that you complain about and see in the world is just the projection what you hate about yourself yeah exactly <laughs> or love about yourself that's, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. actually what I've heard from someone was that um, like in the relationship thing tying back to that mm-hmm. whereas like I love how um, she's so sweet and her jokes are just are incredible. Mm-hmm. Someone was talking about, I don't know, they're a little woo-woo spirituality, <laughs> but they were talking about how um, in reality what that is is that's just a part of yourself that you haven't learned to love yet. <laughs> like what you see. Because, oh, the things that you appreciate in your partner. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> and it's almost like I can... The one thing that kind of takes it out of the woo-woo area for me is that 
the idea that if you say today I'm going to have a really unlucky day, how luck's kind of they say it's uh, bring it upon you. Yeah, you, you say it, and then your mind just points out all of the things that make you look unlucky, uh-huh. and you just don't pay attention to the lucky aspects of your day. Yeah, and so you have your perspectives kind of rot and miss. Right, and I can tie that into and help it relate and make it believable that most of the shit that I see in other people. I'm just projecting my own problems yeah. onto other people. And even if it's not on a specific level, like, I definitely know that the shit that annoys me about my brother is mm-hmm. shit that I have in common with him. That's true. <laughs> and it's pretty accurate. Yeah. But in terms of, like, worldview, uh-huh. like, looking upon the world with frustration and distaste, um, may reflect dissatisfaction with mm-hmm. your own self, which I think stems from, I don't know, ego... Um, which is judging yeah. quality rather than unconditional love and all that kind of shit. And just <laughs> fucking being in the end. Yeah. And just trusting. I don't know. Kind of. Like trusting as in... Um, I guess just trusting that you are valuable inherently. Yeah. Like, trusting my inherent value gives me the capacity to trust that everything here has equal inherent value that I can also love unconditionally. Like, no one no one person is less or more. No one plant or animal is less valuable. Like, <laughs> I had a teacher, mentor, mm-hmm. sort of discussing this topic with me we were around the dinner table um and I was feeling really down I was feeling terrible about myself like why am I here she's better at this than me that Mm -hmm. person's better than me at this other thing I'm pointless yeah you know that feeling everyone knows that feeling. yeah absolutely everybody um and I guess we were just kind of talking about that openly and Charlie the teacher was like we were at the table with a two-year-old named yeah. Suki, and she's, like, perfect, you know, because she's two, and it's easy. She's connected. So, he's like, I, am I worth more than Suki? Like, she can't chop any wood. She can't cook us dinner. Yeah. Like, she can't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean that I'm more valuable than her because oh. I can do all those things? And I was like, no. That's a very good point, right. though. It was a nice illustration because it was so easy and so easy to accept a child for where they're at um, and then make excuses for not accepting yourself where you're at. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Or everyone else, like judging them, like you should be doing something else, you're not doing the right thing. So I guess when I talk about trust, I mean trusting the path, trusting... Trusting in the moment? Yeah, and just that folks are in the process that they need to be in. Um... Just in everything as it, everything is as it should be. Yeah, but that's not to excuse complacency either, because yeah. I still think we need a fucking political revolution. I fucking agree. <laughs> I don't mean everything is literally as it should be. I mean that everything is changing constantly, and um, if you spend all your time being frustrated that you are not in the position that you're currently in, you're not really actually going to get anywhere, and you're going to 
alienate everyone. Mm-hmm. Like speaking of community yeah. and trying to bond deeply and genuinely with people, the way to avoid doing that at all costs is to just be filled with judgment because then you're alienating the world. And you're looking at the world, you're definitely looking at the world as a di- from a distance because you're a judge in there. You're, mm-hmm. you've as though you think you're God. Yeah, exactly. And if that's the language we're using, everyone knows only God can judge. Yep. <laughs> Not sure if that's like the the label that I would put on it, but it's accurate yeah. for the for the point. It is very accurate. Yeah. And what is it? Okay. I think the biggest thing that like what I try to look at is within our own selves anyways and everything and the, the whole thing with everything as it should be more or less on an individual aspect of mm-hmm. it. Like is with your own self. And the people as individuals around you. Because in... That's what I'm trying to get out there. It's... When it comes down to you as an individual, I only see it as you only can can really control the output. You can't control the input as much. Hmm. But you can control how you interpret the input. And how you build it into something useful. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. that's... That's... With everything in life. And that's kind of where... Even it comes at with... um, Like what media does as a whole and uh-huh. then looking at what now uh, individual media produced by producers like uh-huh. such as yourselves and people who do podcasts and stuff like that it's coming from this different realm totally of the individual rather than the, like the mass mind control yes. god guru thing and I think on the individual level you are really seeing a more accurate depiction of what what it's like to exist in yeah. this world because like as the news or in a magazine it created this false reality right and now we're kind of getting fed speak our truth. yeah mm-hmm. and I'm kind of curious too like so the stuff that you do with the kids it mm-hmm. it sounds like you're really helping develop the their emotional or their their well-being and being okay with themselves and understanding themselves <laughs> that's all really the subconscious uh mm-hmm. <laughs> agenda yeah exactly <laughs> where i'm with my presence and acceptance of them hopefully that is allowed to be facilitated but ultimately mm-hmm. what we're doing is like pulling weeds it's pulling weeds yeah. and so <laughs> it, meaningful weeds exactly meaningful <laughs> weeds it's the way that you put that spin on it though and i think the the problem is is when you pull it back on public wise not even just public education because i, I understand that you're not, I, you're not in public education in terms of school wise but you're dealing with children and yeah. raising our future generations that happens a lot it's like we're just pulling weeds, and then a teacher kind of comes at it. I've, I had a really long sit down with the teacher. I was trying to get on her podcast, but she's a little bit shy. Um, that you you you're just teaching, you're just giving them the course material. But then there's that subconscious part, mm-hmm. and I think it's missed. There was uh, one teacher in what do you mean? Like it's it's if you choose to do it. Like so, someone in your position in uh, Mount Vernon for instance if they have an uh, opportunity like that mm-hmm. probably not doing what you're doing the likelihood that everybody is um, going about it from the perspective that you are is nil I would assume well here's the difference I would say that I don't know what you communicate to a group of people or an individual that you're working with 
you're constantly sending them messages. Yeah. Um, and you're constantly their role model. Uh huh. And I think the difference is that I am doing my best to be conscious and intentional with that role. Yeah. And like taking it as like, thank you for this opportunity to be briefly in this position, yeah. briefly contacting these people. And I want to bring them my best possible um, self, my most authentic and like open hearted mm-hmm. presence because that it's just role modeling. And so every single person that contacts, I don't know anyone who's in a leadership role with them is modeling some yeah, behavior. Exactly. And I just, when I talk about wanting to facilitate or foster, um, I don't know, their self-worth, for example, mm-hmm. it's only by demonstrating self-respect yeah. um, and gentleness and whatever else I value, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. it's just my agenda of what I think is valuable. And you're right that I don't know, we can't know how often anyone's in contact with that um, opportunity or energy or conscious attempting. Yeah, exactly. But I think, I don't know, their teachers are wonderful people that are like also doing their damnedest to have a meaningful experience while meeting all Mm -hmm. the ridiculous standards of the public school system. Yeah, I heard it's it's bad. It's (laughs) chopped. Pretty overwhelming. And it's, especially with what's recently happened, I guess, with the Common Core stuff, it's created such ex- exceeding demands upon teachers that it's hard for them to even pay attention to their students as it right. is. Right. Can you imagine? And so everyone's doing their best, but I just feel like I'm in a unique opportunity where I have none of that pressure and I get to be with the kids outside. And see, that's what I mean is that what you, what you are subconsciously giving them is something that is really powerful. Something that I kind of, dealing with my own struggles, listening to other people, listening to people go to like Montessori schools and stuff mm-hmm. like that, just these different, uh, these different journeys and I guess their public education, their upbringing, how society has kind of helped, not shaped and formed them, but helped shape mm-hmm. and form them into having these ideas and, um, and these beliefs in themselves. We miss something. We miss something really fundamental mm-hmm. and it bothers me and I think it bothers a lot of people. Um, that we don't teach them, we don't give them the foundation. We don't teach them the, who am I, the, what, <laughs> oh like, or the coping <laughs> skills or the self-assertion or the actualization, compassion. Yeah. Just, Fuck yeah. it, math. Yeah. Like, I, but, I heard a, maybe it was a magazine article or something, but it was about like hire people hiring people for different positions and they're putting a new value on grit they're calling it which is people's ability to be like um, take initiative and be persistent and problem solve instead of just like I followed the cookie cutter yeah. and I can do everything with straight A's or whatever yeah. but I don't want to put anything on or like you're saying like the things I'm doing with kids and I just don't want that to be on like a pedestal yeah exactly sound. Because I don't know the effect it has. I'm just saying I I feel lucky to be in an opportunity where I'm making the connection between kids doing something good in their community. And I'm just telling them constantly, like, look how powerful and good you are. Exactly. Props to you. But I think there's actually 
lots of people in their lives who are hopefully doing that same um, affirmation. Mm, that's where, and I hope so as well. But like you're saying, there's so much on the plates of these other role yeah. models that mm. it's hard to have the space, mental space and emotional space to <sighs> offer that support. Mm-hmm. Well, and their classes are like 25 kids, but I don't know. I only meet them a few times. Um, well, but it's my dream. I guess I'm talking more about my my ideal, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by your ideal, is because you're coming at this and you, like, do you, I feel like you're coming at this, you came at this intentionally where, you know, you're subconsciously trying to empower these children, you're subconsciously trying to make them... Uh, I would say consciously trying to empower them. (laughs) Consciously trying to empower them. Thank you. And uh, also with being connected to your space. Check out how cool this bird is. It has little yellow and red dots on the tips of its feathers. Oh my goodness. Probably can't see it through the leaves. And it has a little bandit mask on its eye. Oh, it does? Like a little raccoon? But straight? Extremely cute. That is adorable. Oh, I see. little guy. Should get the binoculars. (laughs) There he is. Yeah. I think we're also, speaking of checking out a bird on a tree, um, and the desensitizing effect of our overstimulating culture. Yeah. Oh! Ah, There's four of them! Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, I think it's become kind of cool and idealized to be really indifferent to shit. Yeah. And my superpower, like, actually is the opposite of that, I guess. <laughs> and, like, unstaunchable childlike wonder. Yes. And so that's nice to bring that back into groups of kids. Like, I'm working with all these teenagers right now. Yeah. And I think it's kind of cool for them to play it cool. But when they see a grown up get really excited about a weird looking snail. Yeah. They're like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. maybe I'll see something cool. And I don't know, just fostering appreciation, waking up. Yeah, you know? being aware and just enjoying. It's so nice. It's very enriching. And everything is wonder. Like, you can be filled with wonderment. I sometimes get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you? Yeah. <laughs> see, it's me. It's the desensitized kind of just indifference I was like I had that mentality I remember it clear as fucking day as a kid and I just was like that's why it's called childlike wonder yeah kids have access to it it's it's horror I don't know it's kind of it's disgusting in a lot of ways that not the people who are in those positions but to be in that position it's not disgusting it's agonizing to be in which position to be in the position of just thinking indifference is the way to be accepted or the way to be for your own self however that may be because yeah. all yeah. the cool kick-ass moments aren't kick-ass <laughs> i know <laughs> like, talk about downer i mean and i i know cynicism well mm-hmm. it's also been a place that i have resided yeah, i've resided there too <laughs> and it's hard and um it's a work in progress that I don't dwell in cynicism all the time because the world is so full of pain. It is. Also. It's so bittersweet, more bitter than sweet. Sometimes it seems that way. And when you feel things very deeply, um, feel beauty very deeply and, 
and love and wonder Mm -hmm. you are also opening up yourself to feel just like the trauma and sorrow that you witness every day Um, so I don't pick and choose so it's really a wild ride yeah my heart is like a punching bag you know (laughs) yeah in a beautiful meadow (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) and I think that's like and that kind of goes back to my belief is in the end you really can't control what you take in you only can control what you take out I mean you physically can control Hmm. what's you know what's coming in yeah ideally (laughs) exactly it's ideally and in the end though you get shafted from it because you don't know what the fuck what's the shit is in the end like if it's almost like us with uh we try to control like a game and sometimes or wildlife and i'm not saying we fuck it up now kind of do but you fuck it up because you don't know what you're doing and then you kind of learn as you go but i think with input you'd fuck it up because you don't know how to filter things appropriately it's you would become narrow-minded in the end whereas if you're wide open and just control what you put out and try to cope with it as it comes yeah that's interesting trying to filter things diminishing the dimensions of your experience and then keeping you from having capacity to be creative um instead of just being like okay yeah just give it to me trust all let's see what happens trust in the world to take care of and i'll try to do do my best um it is a conundrum like feeling deep love and appreciation for something that's dying Mm -hmm. before our eyes um i was reading this book by kathleen dean moore Mm -hmm. um it's called great tide rising and it's about how to proceed with moral integrity mm-hmm. in this time in the world. Really? Yeah. And she's a nature writer and has Ooh. written um, all about her love and connection with oh. rivers and all the nature. And now has this obligation to write what she knows about uh, climate change and capitalism really um anyway she speaks really eloquently about how to balance the deep deep love and wonder of beholding something so beautiful while um witnessing its demise which is what's happening right now like i'm falling in love with these birds and these plants and they they don't know maybe they do know I'm not sure if they know but something terrible is happening yeah um so it's like mourning I don't know Mm -hmm. have you loved someone who's dying I've loved someone who's dying I've loved someone who I met as they were dying so maybe it's something like that like we were born into this world and as we fall in love with it we discover that it's being murdered very slowly Mm -hmm. very quickly um and so balancing that with like reverence yeah instead of just celebrating and acting like nothing's wrong or just mourning Mm -hmm. and pretending like nothing's beautiful yeah it's like to celebrate and mourn at the same time that's what I'm learning how to do and how and in what ways hmm I don't know I guess I just 
and learning how to have the capacity for those things that seem conflicting but actually uh, are very interconnected right now. Not let the sorrow make you bitter. Yeah, totally. That's huge. And to celebrate um, loudly, like to speak the names of these things and to acknowledge acknowledge them before they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, come to and to not let go easily Uh I don't know I think there's there's a lot to it that um, I've been learning yeah it's beautiful and just being a part of it like not being detached and like feeling the pain you know sometimes instead of feeling despair and she talks about this where despair is actually feeling like you're at a dead end and you do nothing Mm -hmm. whereas feeling grief is like processing the weight that you're carrying and like experiencing it. So despair is like cynicism. I can do nothing. Grief is like acute tenderness, like the open heart of tenderness. Yeah. um, You feel it because you feel love instead of feeling despair because you feel like you've given up. I know, I, don't know exactly, no, I know exactly what you're touching on. I, I think I know exactly what you're touching on anyways. Like, mm-hmm. there's um, another idea out there that... I don't know if this might help expand on it a little bit. Or um, how I said that, it's not about being happy, but being fulfilled because you can't be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. Because it's not about, you know, trying to maximize your happiness or satisfaction with something. It's when that sorrow does come to be able to truly love that moment and experience it because this sorrow is going to be there. Whether or not it's within your own self, but speaking in your own terms, this this world, this place, it it, it is like because it's dying, it is sad and it is shitty. And it is gorgeous. (laughs) Exactly. And it's to to explore and to enjoy in that sorrow yet... And that love as well. And you do it because you love it. Yeah. And maybe you... Maybe... I don't know if this goes with the sorrow Mm -hmm. metaphor for a personal experience. But part of the way to proceed is to fight like hell to make it better. You know? Um, Like, if your house was burning down, you wouldn't just be like, Well, shoot! (laughs) There goes my house. Like, you have a kitchen fire. And you're like, oh, well... I, I'll just evacuate. You'd yeah. be like, I better put this out. <laughs> and maybe you're sad because you like lost your favorite piece of furniture or something. But you're going to like put the fire out. Yeah. You're not just going to run, let your house burn down, and Man. then have nowhere to live. Um, and it's an easy question to answer when it's so simple as your house. Yeah. And I think the problem is that people are still, for some reason, not thinking of the earth as their house. Mm-hmm. But it is. It provides literally everything that we need to survive. And nothing else provides that. It's our reality in a lot of ways. We're constructed here. And this is everything. This whole ecosystem. We're so connected to it. Yeah. It supported us for so long. <laughs> so connected long. and so disconnected. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I think we're, we're so... Um, we're born connected, but we move away from that. Unfortunately, very quickly. I wonder... Yeah. And well, there's an interesting thing that was put out, and I was listening to a TED talk. Um, and they were talking about children, 
and kind of even what you were talking about before about should we under underestimate under we underestimate our children's intelligence we undermine our children's intelligence mm-hmm. and then we do not trust our children thus disempowering yeah. everything that they're capable of <laughs> it's like they did a whole uh, it was a whole talk on it and this it was by I think she was either six or twelve. It's kind of a big gap, but somewhere right around there, <laughs> a kid was doing the talk. <laughs> yes, a kid. Oh, cool. Before she was, she's like, teenager. "Hey, stop trying to take away my power! Like I have a voice. I'm yeah. capable of shit. I can express myself. It does not mean less." It's so ironic in this country where we supposedly hold our kids in like a higher social status. Like, yeah, they are practically holy. The way that Americans care for kids and western europeans care for kids is Mm -hmm. different than any other place historically or presently as though they're like these fragile i mean of course they're precious they're individual creatures that's amazing but like i don't know buying all this shit for them and acting like the sun shines out their ass yeah exactly put them on that fucking pedestal and then they have a misrepresentation of how the world works and then it's suffering it's like and they're wimpy i don't know i don't have a kid you can you can speak to it better than i can it's the i do the exact i try my hardest to do the exact opposite with my fucking kid kid. it's just everyone like you're you're the same as everything else which means you are Incredible, beautiful, vast galaxy of amazingness. You are not. You are not special in comparison to other individuals, but you are beautiful, and you are an expression of this moment in time. And you can. You were so powerful that you can change this very world. What's your kid's name? Joey. Oh yeah, I met Joey Mother's Day. Oh, that's great. He's and it's fun because he's like my experiment in a lot of ways. My my whole goal, (laughs) at the very least, is to just fuck him up differently. That's just yeah. that's always been what I s- new set story. out to do. <laughs> you set out to fuck him up differently. Yeah, just fuck it, at the very least because I know you can't you can't make a kid perfect. I don't want to, and I can't I've, make a kid anything. That's you don't. The, magic part. <laughs> the other one too, though, even on that whole on that is you don't have a kid, right? Don't. Hopefully, that, the kid has you though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> It's, there's this sense of possession that I think we have with a lot of, with our children. Totally. And, and it passes on to them mm-hmm. in terms of materialism and possessing another human. Yeah, relationships and we have each other and only each other. We're in a life raft in the I whole world. I make me feel like I'm the only girl in the world. <laughs> I heard that on the radio the other day. I don't... Who is that by? I don't know. There was this one song, I think... Like I I'm the only girl in the world. Yeah, that is the song. That you that I'm the only one who can make you feel like a man. Like yep. that's fucked up. That that is so fucked up. Are you up. serious? You should be able to feel like a man. No. I love you unconditionally. Therefore, hope that you feel like a man, whether I'm here or not. Yeah. Or like whatever you want to feel like. <laughs> Shit. Exactly. You do not like. You are not okay because of me. You are okay simply because of yourself. Yeah, That's... and we could make an awesome team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's my whole idea, like, what I've gone through with realization and relationships, my my idea of a relationship now is it's just the next level after a best friend. Yeah. It's not, it's not anything different. It's just a really good friend that you're very intimate with. Yeah. That you're more or, intimate with a best friend. Then. Yeah, yeah. Thank or you, you know. just define... You define the boundaries for every person that you know. Um, you don't. You don't set boundaries on the other person because it should be out of free will between. Yeah, the individuals. ideally, people are yeah, free ideally. together. Um, 
I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Just the definitions of relationships, right? Because mm-hmm. we also have this black and black and white yeah. perspective on like we're friends. We do this these categories of activities. We are lovers, or girlfriend, or boyfriend, or husband and wife, and we do these categories mm-hmm. of activities. Whereas I've been finding a lot more diversity in my relationships yeah. than that has capacity for. Whether we like mix and match all mm-hmm. the activities, we might. Um, do certain things and not others. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not be of a certain definition. And, I th- and, yeah. I think that's, like, that's incredible in your perspective on that, not to put it on a pedestal necessarily, but speaking to I, other perspectives that I have actually heard that kind of ring similar to yours, mm-hmm. um, that's fucking beautiful. Because... Nothing operates within a box. Nothing operates within these preconceived and notions. And we sure try to shove them in works. and it's painful. Yes, it is so painful. It hurts to go in the box. It breaks. Oh, it does hurt to go in the box. It's almost as bad as to go in the trunk, in the hole, in the coffin. I hate going in the trunk. No, you just <laughs> fucking confined spaces. Shit. <laughs> Fuck. I don't want to be confined. <sighs> I've learned that, like, I mean, I'm in the process of learning that so much from a lot of the community around here who are practicing being more Mm open-hearted and not constricting each other and yeah it's been a great experiment just Tracy and I trying to empower each other through our relationship rather than inhibit each other and trying to be autonomous rather than dependent um, and to be growing rather than being stunted you Mm know um and whether that means like well what it means is taking off the accoutrements that we've been told accoutrements yeah like this. the cool. the things it's cool it, <laughs> <laughs> that's like the coolest word I've heard accoutrements in a long time it's like if you're looking at a traditional monogamous relationship unrobing it like from oh, all the things that yeah. are associated with it like, like an onion unpeeling the layers unpeeling the yeah. fucking layers and that is a metaphor we've been using a lot um to find like the actual love uh-huh. rather than the possessiveness and the jealousy yeah. and the anxiety and the self-consciousness is if not for love what's the point of it all it's- yeah and all these ways that we constrict each other like all the ways that we judge each other I think are stemming from self-doubt mm-hmm. and a lack of self-worth. And if you really love someone, I think you want them to find their liberation. Yeah. And they want you to find your liberation. And so in ways that keep each other safe, you navigate that together. In the most harmonious, positive way. Uh, as possible. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> As possible. Yeah. And that's like not coveting an individual as if they were an object. Truly. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard because we become attached. You know, we do like become kind of obsessed and like addicted. Yeah. I know that I have experienced addiction to humans, Mm -hmm. to another human. I have too. Really bad. And the idea of how that other human should appear and be around me. Uh Like, yeah, you're not. Right. Which is so stagnant and so counter to really our goal yeah. you're like oh shit what have I done exactly and so we're just unlocking some of those doors opening them to the, the interesting thing though and almost the paradoxical thing that I it, correct me if I'm wrong 
Because I keep trying to throw this ball out there. And, I don't know. Sometimes people don't pick it up. But <laughs> um, that... I'm open. <laughs> all right. Let's give it a shot. That it, the paradox is, is that as we move forward and we are becoming more disconnected and losing our community, yet gaining communities in different places, I, I feel like we're almost on the brink of people like, what the fuck? We need some shit. We're getting there. And, and create it. But... You're getting to that point where you're unlocking doors that have never been unlocked before. Mm. Or haven't been unlocked since a very long time ago. Yeah. Relationship things or staying inside of the box. The idea of like drugs, not as drugs as they are, but being open-minded. And questioning like, wait, why do do we fucking think that? Yeah, I think we're coming full circle with a lot of our assumptions as a culture. And I can only say that about this community that I'm part of. Mm -hmm. Because I haven't gone exploring very much outside of like liberal bubbles my anecdotal evidence would be podcasting mm-hmm. about it but it's you see that a lot in that kind of realm as well which once again is anecdotal and mm-hmm. minority but yeah but it's we're definitely seeing a trend mm-hmm. and that i can agree with and it is not just here yeah and it's not just momentary it's mm-hmm. actually it seems it's been bubbling around 60 70s there's a great tide rising. There is. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And like you're saying, I think both the things you said are true, which is we're unlocking doors that have been closed for a very long time, mm-hmm. and we're also in new territory that's never been tread before. Yeah. and then Another frontier. A place, too, at the moment where we're starving for certain things that we were in abundance before. Yeah. And I believe... We are witnessing some, witnessing and participating in mm-hmm. some chapter of a spiritual evolution. Yes. Someone, um, a lot of people think new religion is going to pop up, but yes. What? A new religion yeah, going to pop well, up? Some people think a new religion is about to come out of nowhere. Not like, Whoa. not Scientology, but like the forward. asteroid that's about to come to yeah, Earth. Yeah, just have like lizard that. Lizard people on it. Oh yes, just like that. Somewhere right around there, some new agey. Frog people, sorry. Frog people. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm interested. I want to ride that thing. I just finished a Tom Robbins book. That's why. That's what made me say oh that. Oh my gosh, Magicians of the Gods, Graham Hancock. It almost touches on that same book, but minus beans <laughs> on the asteroid. It's saying that it's like hit us like every 11,600 years and we've had catastrophes and all this other shit. Yeah, definitely catalysts for change. Yeah. And whatever you want to call it or whatever form, whatever package it comes yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Because in the end, it's just a package, but it, it's something. Yeah, it's some medicine. And I think. It's, then, yeah, I don't know. Just the next great chapter is going to have to be a spiritual revolution and if you think about the story like the narrative that we've Mm -hmm. been living thus in this chapter of our history it's like the christian story of uh time as linear and life as this is your one chance and then you go to heaven or hell oh yes Um, yes rather than cyclical or everything in this world is cyclical that we can see and touch but anyways, go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that's my observation there's, there's, there's too. There's nothing that is not cyclical in this world that I've seen. So I tried I'm to like, explain that to Mormons one time and they were like, what does cyclical mean? <laughs> no, they asked, what does linear mean? And I was like, oh, where oh, do I begin? <laughs> my gosh. It was interesting. Actually, it was really? so eye-opening. Um, anyway, I think 
I think things are changing. I think linear isn't going to work for us. Yeah, no, not at all. It don't make no sense. And this whole... We're running out. Constructions of, like, uh, I guess normalcies, not... Normalcies that we set set out there intentionally, like this is this is the expectation that Except society this, puts that's on reality. It. Yeah, we just just are. Mm. No, I think it's interesting too on the relationship aspect though that you pointed out because there's something that I've been meaning to pick up, but been listening to it a lot lately and uh, researching it a lot lately. But with relate in terms of relationships, like back in the day when we were tribal, we're off of emotion within your tribe you don't say this is mine I don't possess or anything you just are and you set those boundaries for the relationships there's none of these uh, <laughs> that's very idyllic isn't it yeah exactly I wonder what culture we're talking about <laughs> it's there's uh, um, a lot of the cultures that they looked at were more or less the Native American tribes and then just all of them uh, yeah, I all the Native Americans yes all tribes of them that lived happily in harmony with one another yeah Sorry, that's really dehumanizing, I yeah, think, to I the, the actual human beings that still exist. But they, the way that they're touching on it, though, is that relationships didn't exist in a monogamous kind of sense as they do today. And it's a relatively new thing. Interesting. And it's been shown time and time and again in previous cultures that we never operated off of, or we didn't operate often in a monogamous form. Hmm. So it's not a true... Yeah, I wonder where it came from. That, like, the European model. Yeah, and that's kind of like... There's a lot of mysteries in history. I would hesitate to make sweeping statements like... We, all of us, yeah, always well, and yeah, never. Yeah, encapsulating <laughs> the entire planet. But yeah. there, there's just been, I guess, more or less a handful of cultures that have been indicative of that way of life. Yeah. Totally. It's yeah. It's been it's interesting. There's definite pros and cons. I mean, it's interesting to read about polygamous cultures or like, um, which are very sexist still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, are they really not always ideal? I mean, certain ones that I have studied a little. Is that kind of how it always goes? Though? Well, I don't know. Not with that. It probably doesn't have to be. Maybe that's how it was. We're like, okay, polygamy, that could work well, and it was harmful in its previous incarnation, and now we're going to make it into this harmonious thing. I don't know. And, well, that's what I mean. And like, I don't think it works for everyone. I think that's the danger of this kind of like generalization, which is that mm-hmm. um, there's a method and there's a right way, which I just don't agree with on pretty much any. So great. Any any category, yeah, yeah. Gray is my favorite color. That's that's I completely <laughs> agree with that because I think that's where you get to. When that's what I mean isn't isn't it always more or less not? Isn't it always with polygamy mm-hmm. where it always kind of turns from what you've seen? It was mm-hmm. it was sexist and all that other stuff. How it's been enacted, mm-hmm. but I mean, isn't it always isn't with monogamy as well? Just anything, mm. since you have such a large pendulum when it's just one thing. You're always going to have a very dirty side and a very clean... That's a bad way to put that. An ideal side yes. and a harmful side. Exactly. And I think if you constrict it to, well, you got to... We only have monogamy. That's all we have. Thing you're going to... That's gonna, all that's allowed. Yeah, you're going to starve people because other no one operates Everyone has the different same. needs. They do. I have certain boundaries. And that's... I think that's where we're getting <laughs> to as a people, though. And that's yeah. kind of where I mean by, like, our um, our cultural norms is that none of us are normal. Because uh, yeah. we, we all into different shit. We're and fucking if, diverse. <laughs> exactly. If you like some, if you do some freaky ass shit, 
do it and do it fucking well. Just keep doing it because mm-hmm. it's it's beneficial to society in some manner and it's your form of expression. It's the way that you're going to reach that place inside of you, your inner bliss. Yeah. It's just you shouldn't be knocked down because it doesn't fit that that box. It is interesting to see like how I don't know. Is it raining? No. I thought I heard something. How when certain people get into power they want to control everyone else's way of life? And have and impose their ideology on everybody. Why do they think that's going to make life easier? It just know. stresses everyone out. It does, and it, it doesn't... Okay, here's why. <laughs> when, well, I don't know. Or is it Maybe those... I don't know why. <laughs> do those people lack empathy? Because we do have those people, and I have seen them. Like, power-hungry? And are they power-hungry because they lack empathy? Because I was thinking about... Source of them is the world? I mean, for some reason, there's a fear of, like uprising and a fear of individuality and mm-hmm. I don't know why why capitalism is better yeah, why is that machine that. supposedly like why do rich people think that it's good for them in their health to be that way I don't know why well I got a question is that so there's an argument out there that is for capitalism it doesn't have to be full capitalism it could be a mixture but the, the reason why like if you were to look at our culture from the outside not as a human if you were like an alien you came to this planet Mm -hmm. and you looked at it and you're like well what are they doing like because of capitalism and this ruthless materialism that we have we're innovating in an exceptionally fast pace to something and that something could hypothetically we could be like a caterpillar waiting to emerge with artificial intelligence for instance because it was all so bad before (laughs) yeah well I mean what's the what's the point of our materialism aside from this ruthless innovation not I don't saying like someone constructed it I'm just saying that's the result of it that's all that this materialism does progress for the sake of progress yeah I mean people aren't seeking fulfillment and the system doesn't want you to feel fulfilled they want you to feel lost and like you want to eat something and buy something Mm -hmm. and that that's going to make you feel better that's the lie that we're told and I think that the reason that certain plant medicines are illegal and labeled as drugs is because it helps to facilitate your cracking open of yourself. You're right. It, they've admitted that there's actually mainstream newsy <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, it's actually... So it's like people get really <laughs> conscious and caring when they're on mushrooms and they realize they don't need to buy so much stuff. They were afraid of... They realize we're all connected. We exactly. can't have that. They're doing all this weird fucking outside-the-box thinking shit. It's the 60s and 70s, the hippies. When they were out there, they attributed that to um, those substances to the that hippie era. I don't want to yeah. say hippie. I really hate that word. I know. It's, I don't really know what else to, to say. I guess the, the movement, the people who spoke out. Activists. Yes, the activists. And if, um, I guess, to make it illegal, if they made it illegal and they outlawed it, put them on the Schedule 1 or Schedule 2, then they had a reason to arrest them right and then they can criminally hold them and And it's just easier to control people when they aren't feeling like content yeah when they're not feeling safe when they're not feeling awake and fulfilled and try to get them on this whole delayed gratification track of well i'm gonna work not even i'm gonna work i'm gonna save up i'm gonna have retirement one day i'm gonna be able to do the things that i want 
It's a heinous. Yes. It's heinous. Everyone gets, a lot of people, I think, got there and then realized that, oh, that's kind of bullshit. That was unsatisfying. Yeah. And now my grandkids aren't going to even know what a fucking bumblebee is. Yep. Okay. And they aren't even going to know how to be aware of their own fucking body and what the great, how great one acre is. And they're going to be so desensitized that they're obsessed with 500 acres because Hmm. moving through a city, moving through Hmm. a state doesn't mean anything because they they don't see a flower. They Hmm. see a field. Hmm. Well, I have that problem a lot. Which one? That. I don't see a flower. I only see a field. I don't see a field. I only see a continent. Whereas, like, I'm moving so fast that I only see... I only see the top of the stairs. Trying to climb to the top of the stairs. Don't give a fuck about any of that. Oh, yeah. Top sucks, dick! That's pretty... <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't... <laughs> that's pretty good. That'd be a good thing to meditate on. Oh, and that's, that's another thing that's cool. Is I've been doing... Uh, I used to meditate a lot for coping skills. Mm-hmm. And um, just because all the bullshit that I've dealt with being overwhelmed I guess with life mm-hmm. and within the past year I've been doing uh, fuller meditation practices taking a lot more time with it an hour a day and Whoa. it's yeah it's oh, that's f- intensive I, I figured if I do it the more you do it the more you must get from it so why not just go ahead first and like the thing that you were saying about not being aware of the the location that you're in mm-hmm. but and then you took it to not being aware of your own body even mm-hmm. is right because like your elbow <laughs> you don't feel anything on your elbow until you start talking about it and then you feel it and you start <laughs> you're able to feel the wind brush your elbow and stuff and <laughs> imagine or like i noticed that i had pain have you ever had that where you smoke weed and then you're suddenly like, oh my god, my posture is so bad. Like, <laughs> holy shit! I gotta stretch. Like, I'll be right back, you guys. I gotta go touch my toes. Like, I gotta get out of this car. Yes! Fuck. I've done that on a road trip all the way to Idaho. <laughs> I pulled over at the rest stop. I'm doing fucking yoga. Yeah. In the middle of the day, right on the sidewalk, and I have my yoga mat, and it's just, <laughs> I'm so embarrassed by the end of it. I'm like, oh, fuck. This is awkward, but like, yeah. suddenly you're inhabiting yourself, or you feel threatened, and instead of reacting, Acting violently, you go, mm-hmm. why did I have an adrenaline rush just now? Yeah. Like, what's this experience? Instead of just letting it mm-hmm. make you a puppet yeah. for itself. Just bumbling through. Yeah. That's what this whole thing is about. Is I think I interrupted you, though. You were on your way somewhere. And I started talking about doing yoga when you're high. I'm on my way, and then I turned around, and nobody You were it. saying... Being aware of yourself in space, being aware of your body. Oh, well, actually, meditation, something, mm-hmm. something. Oh, through through that, yeah, I raised that awareness in an experience that I thought was plain, mm. was not plain at all. Ah. And nothing, <laughs> nothing paralleled that that I experienced before. It was a growth. Whoa. Mm. Like something that seemed empty or meaningless yeah. or boring was suddenly like more vivid and. It's more. Vivid novel. Yeah. Um, and it. Childlike wonder. Yes, childlike <laughs> wonder. Oh my god, you coined it. You get those ADHD kids who are like, "What do you think that paint is made of on that fence? Yeah. How did you even? What? Like, how are those clouds happening? Why is there cardboard right there? Yeah. You What's s- on your hat? You, <laughs> you see know? it just like destroyed though, in by some parents <laughs> yeah, where it's like, it. <laughs> "I'm busy. 
shut the fuck up. I mean, it's not that extreme, but it's at some, with some parents it is, other parents it's not that bad, but like with... And just societal pressure, like the way school works. Yeah. Like you have to sit in a desk. I know that the teachers know how painful it is. It's not... They don't want to put the kids through that, but that's the system. And that's their force that forces their hand because they don't have that kind of... They shouldn't have... An individual teacher should not have all freedom. I'm not saying that, but they don't have a freedom of input <laughs> mm-hmm. to change it because they know honestly know what's going on. Yeah. Fucking know. And the that's the thing with my son that I really tried hard. Why? Mm-hmm. Keep asking me. Just don't stop. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. I don't care. I don't care if it's this because he's asked me things, and this is, goes back to like where a child is much more not intelligent it's just has this different perspective mm-hmm. that is not more or less valuable than your own it's just different totally he'll ask me like why dad why does that have this stuff on it you're like oh i don't know exactly <laughs> i've never asked that question before and i go on this this google tangent yeah. or we go if we're at a farm we'll talk to a farmer and I stuff love it. it's just I, I love it too it's so fun it's nice for him that he has a dad who's willing to say like I'm not sure let's look into it because mm-hmm. I think that that's another sort of bane of our adult generation which is like we're afraid to seem or like afraid to admit when we don't know like I've I hear grown-ups like make up answers <laughs> yeah. and you're just like wait no I think it's a little bit better even for a kid to know they can be inquisitive yeah like no one's all knowing but, like, we can be all curious. Yep. That's nice. And to empower them to pursue it. Yeah, that's one of the most fun things that I... Fun times that I have with the kids that I work with, where they're, like, asking me questions, like, why does this worm have this thing on it? Or, like, whatever. And I'm just like, whoa, I'm not sure. What does it look like it's doing with that? Yeah. Then we just look closer. And it's consciousness. It's observation. Inquisitiveness. present and Yeah. That is so cool. That's probably like one of the best, I don't know, I would have to agree with you because it's one of the best moments that I have with my son. Yeah, it's fun. You're really sharing it at that point. It's not the relationship of like higher and lower that Mm -hmm. we're so accustomed to seeing. It's more like, I don't know, you're just getting on the level. Exactly. You're you're realizing that, hey, we, we are too, like... I try to look at this, and I'm really bad at it, but I'm trying, that we're just two beings mm-hmm. that are right here, right now. It's nothing, it's n- none of these, like, imposed ideologies or anything mm-hmm. like that. We're just here. Yeah. I'm going to be here for you. what we are for each other. Yeah. It's like, and sometimes it shit's, life doesn't work in the way that it does, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. We're just here now. Nice to be honest about that. Exactly. It's fucking hard, though. But I cannot imagine. No. It must I, be crazy. The coolest part about it all, though, is that not even just with the child, with life. And I, I know you know that when it's hard, it's kind of a sign that it's really going well. Even though <laughs> in hindsight only, but... Because <laughs> you, you're like, pushing something. Well, that was something. good. I yeah. got through that chapter. Got to breathe challenge yeah and this whole awareness though that we're talking about and even that like that feeling of pain Mm -hmm. and like the realization of different parts of your body and how they're responding like how do i feel today 
and or that's how my leg feels like when it strikes the ground when I'm running instead of just mindlessly running you're like paying attention being alive and alert mm-hmm. I know a lot of people and I mean this is probably the majority of people that I have met and I make it a point to talk to people about this because I don't I don't give a shit about Netflix I, it's just it's boring <laughs> to me I want to know how you work and mm-hmm. I want to get in, I want to listen to you and I kind of want to throw my stuff out there so if I, I can figure out where I'm at but what I hear a lot is this whole, they never question, like, how do I feel today? They've and never... Why? Yeah. What's making me tick? What's, like, what direction do I want to go? All of that stuff. All the way from the physical realm yeah. to the way that the fucking city works. I have a friend who is a city, who used to be a city worker for, uh, work... Like worked, public works? Yeah, I worked for the city for Arlington. Oh, yeah. And... <laughs> A common response to things because that's the way it's always been done, and that's a that's a fundamental. That's like a knife life. in my heart. Yeah, when yeah. I hear that I'm like, <gasps> when he brought that up, he told me that, and then it became a trigger word. He asked my um, boss where we work now. Uh, could I have like the week after half the week after Fourth of July uh, off? And he's like, um, well, probably not, but you could put it in and try. And then they denied him, and he said, called them, and he asked, well, why can't I? It's like because other people put in it, put in it off, but. We have separate stores. Nobody at our store put it off or took it off. So huh. what's... That's what just it, not, you're not... You're not fitting in with the status quo right yeah. now. It's kind of stressing us out. He asked the, our boss, though, well, why, why can't I do that? Since nobody's taking the time off, it doesn't cost you guys any, any money. He said, uh, oh, because that's the way it's always it's been just done. just how we do it. That's, yeah. And that's I've been, dangerous, man. I've been hearing it a lot, and it's, people don't question it. I don't know if I know, or am, like, closely acquainted with anyone who has that outlook. I feel like I'm in this group that's just, like, really rigorously analyzing shit, and mm-hmm. it gets, honestly, pretty exhausting to not take anything for granted, you know? Yeah. To be like, this is a terrible design. Like, we got to start all over again. Yeah. All right. You know, back to the drawing board. And that's... We got to take it one step at a time. <laughs> like, yeah. But really, I don't know. I'm in a group of searchers. My whole seekers. life, I've been alienated from that exact thing. Because you're a seeker and you know a lot of and people who are... The other for granted takers yeah and they uh some are like ah fuck you fooey woo hoo woo 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 and fucking up my shit and then you have the other people who are like oh that looks interesting mm-hmm. and then it's uh you're spending time with them kind of going in and out of these different perspectives i guess yeah and then i but at the same time when you say seeker i've even had it in different packaging like uh and this is a business I have a friend who's very, like, painstakingly business-minded. But he's a beautiful, beautiful person, and I love his the way he expresses himself and how, how powerful it is. But he sees it as consumer and producer. Mm-hmm. And just painstakingly business-minded. But if that's your outlook. Uh, yeah, it's, exactly. And he's what he, though, was going off of, he doesn't play video games. Video games, just to reiterate, that's not a problem. It's just... Some people do have a problem. He His whole thing, though, is he'd spend time making music. He would spend time writing, just doing the, these He's forms of expressions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And paddleboarding, too, learning things. Mm-hmm. It's this mundane pedestrian kind of thing of where I just, you know, just 
absorb shit. Yeah, man, actually I heard something that stuck with me. I went to this workshop like five years ago. Mm -hmm. It was a creativity workshop, okay, by this guy named Forrest Kinney, and he's a piano virtuoso. He's been like the... He's played privately in the home of Bill Gates for a paycheck. So he's a pro piano guy. Yeah. Um, But does workshops on like... Unlocking your creative capacity, unlocking your yeah. abilities to like be a creator rather than a consumer, mm-hmm. um, because he witnesses all around. We all witness it in this world that we're all absorbed and consuming, consuming media, yeah, consuming mindless, literally like the food that we eat, yeah, um, fucking non-nutritious, and. Yeah, and non-nutritious media, like, for our brains, it's just... Anyway, and he was saying that ever since he has been able to unleash his musical and writing um, what's the word? Just the capacity to to create. Uh He has no need to, like... He doesn't listen to other music anymore. Oh, he doesn't really? like read books. <laughs> so Whoa. this is the extreme end of the spectrum. Yeah. It's not really like the lifestyle. I love reading books and listening to other music, but he mm-hmm. was saying he has come so far in being able to satiate himself as a creator that it like satisfies his Whoa. Does that make sense? That anyway. does make sense. Yeah, it does. So that that drastic of a perspective really put things into or it helped me make sense of the world like seeing people mm-hmm constantly like trying to consume things for fulfillment um and maybe not having the opportunity or the bravery um to try to make something Mm -hmm. themselves or they've been told that they suck at making things yeah um or they don't sound good or they don't look right or whatever yeah infinite excuses to be afraid infinite reasons um People are trapped in that, I think. Um, they are. Anyway, it's... That's that's definitely a way that I've thought of it, of your business-minded mm-hmm. friend. Of yeah. Like the people who create shit and the people who consume shit. And I think we're just a bit out of balance right now. Although, there's a pretty overwhelming amount of stuff being created. It's so easy. Even by individuals. Yeah. Not even on assembly lines. Like, assembly lines aside. Yeah. The creative people are making quite a vast amount of stuff it's so accessible right ideas now ideas and it's just are there even enough people to look at it yeah like, is there enough people <laughs> in the audience anymore now that everyone can have a sound cloud soon it's gonna go one for every person one to one, one, to one. Yes. one consumer to one producer <laughs> it's all you will need <laughs> we need a decomposer that's what we need oh, yes we you do. know the cycle like producers consumers and decomposers no like plants are producers they produce their own food from the light of the sun yeah consumers are us like we eat the food off the plant mm-hmm. and then decomposers like we shit in the woods and then bugs and fungus and bacteria decompose it and then that's what's used for the producers so that's the cycle yeah who's the decomposer in our culture that's a good question i'm gonna be the decomposer i'll be the decomposer i'm a slug yes (laughs) that goes back into my spiritual philosophy of compost really (laughs) yeah gosh (laughs) and it's it's fascinating because there's even accounts of people from um, 
how would you put this, uh, areas where it's a lot harder to get out, so you have, um, these places that are more oppressed, more impoverished areas, mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, Baltimore and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, where, how they how the, they are either transforming the place that they are at into a place of more positive well-being and yeah. a place to live or getting to a place somewhere else Mm -hmm. it's all through creating Mm -hmm. and it's creating through uh, whether or not it's an on it always through an online media obviously or sharing it via online yeah that's how they reach out no cost their lifeline no cost yeah interesting it's kickstarter free uh, i think god that's so empowering too and like you're asking about is it beautiful mm -hmm. or meaningful is uh the meaning of a lot of people's lives that's one of the meanings of life <laughs> that's i would agree it's that's almost, probably why so many ki- people are like popping babies out they're like i made a thing yeah and I did a- my ex-wife is just yeah she's having more babies she'd want more babies I and see. it's like because that whole thing like i said before where she doesn't know what she wants to do she wants to take care of kids and yeah. she wants to go to work and then come home there is like a real urge to that like people Fuck. people need to nurture something people need to yeah yeah, just, and we haven't been taught that. I, I think that's almost to a projection level. Right, where you know? it's like you're not taking care of yourself, but you you have this um, insatiable impulse mm-hmm. to take care, and so you put it on something else. You have a kid and take care of it. And that's That would be... And me. then you're a hot mess, and so your kid is a hot mess. Yeah, you perpetuate it! And that would be my mom, too. Oops. That's Yeah, and that whole thing with with her... It's funny, almost, too, because I know it's probably not true. It's probably a wives' tale. That's I don't even like that. Wives Sounds tale. horrible, yeah. What's not true? What's the story? Um, you, the whole idea that you end up in a relationship uh, at least once uh, with someone who's like your mother. Oh, yeah. So if, I, That's real. <laughs> if, if, the whole idea that um, my ex-wife would want to have uh, children because in order for a form of escapism... And to kind of delve into this nurturing thing where she can't uh-huh. nurture herself. And she didn't have a tribe. She didn't have a community yes. around her. She's like trying to make one. That's what my mom went through. Vagina. The same thing. Had a my sister's thirty. Mm-hmm. She had her when she was I don't know a little bit over a teenager. Mm-hmm. And then right when my sister it was like my sister and I are ten years apart. Mm-hmm. And so then she had me, and then my sister would go away, and then I was there, and then I'd go away, and then she freaked out, and. Then, uh, my sister was going through a lot of horrible crap and making bad decisions and then or making decisions, not bad decisions, <gasps> just Maybe decisions. Some harmful decisions yes. to her well being. She ended up with my nephew. Mm-hmm. And then so she was taking care of my nephew now. And then when he was gone, she doesn't know what to do. And Your then mom. She's, yeah, and then she started getting heavier mm-hmm. and she just watched T V and go to work. And then it came to the point to where I she also ate a lot of edibles recently in mm-hmm. the past year. And now she's like, well, who am I? And she's become aware. And she's 60 years old, exploring herself. And she's realized that she has not been able to nurture herself. That's why she has spent her entire life martyring herself for other people to the point where That's awesome she's having that awakening. It is never too late. Oh, it's not ever too late. What's she going to do? What's her secret, like, underlying desire? It's exactly what she's kind of gnawing at. (laughs) <laughs> trying to get a guitar she there wants you go to play and perform it's always good to start with a guitar you hear that fear though that There's comes out really oh oh he's hiding there. i scared him 
It's been a trip, though. It, it's really cool because her self-actualization has really taught me a lot about myself. And I really do attribute a lot to edibles, too. <laughs> She's uh, So edibles, how it's processed in your stomach, uh-huh. uh, it's actually psychoactive. It's not THC anymore. Huh. So it's... Um, it. Man, I get fucked up on edibles. I do, too. I don't, holy okay. shit. I think I'm paralyzed. It's, yep. You know that paranoia that sometimes people get when they eat way too much? It's That's because of it's more of a psychedelic experience. And Whoa. if you... Just like with... So what I do every six months is I take... Uh, I guess I don't care here. It's not Idaho. Idaho, you have to be really careful. But um, take mushrooms every six months uh, or uh, acid. And what it is for me is it's kind of an awakening. Mm-hmm. And it's to keep myself objective mm-hmm. and to really understand myself. Like a check-in, yeah. recentering, and medicine. Those, exactly, medicine. And it's changed my perspective drastically each and every time. Like I quit smoking last or a couple or last week. I think, and it's, I think it's attributed to her as well in a lot of ways, because she's, since it's become legal, she's mm-hmm. been taking edibles like crazy for her pain. Right, there's not such a stigma about it. Yeah. Pain of all kinds. Pain of all kinds. Mm. I'm curious, what you talked about before you going into the, um, living in the suburbs, what brought you out to Bellingham? Um... College. College. Mm-hmm. I went to, to Western. A lot of people out here, mm-hmm. but interesting people seem to stay. Not saying that people who leave aren't interesting, but it mm. seems to leave like people are attracted to. Yeah, I definitely here. have had a lot to learn here. It's been a place that has really fed me, mm-hmm. mind and body and spirit, and I fell in love with Tracy, which is definitely a good reason to hang out, mm-hmm. and just all the people I've met. I fell in love with everyone. Oh, yeah. That awareness of your community and the location in which you're in. And feeling like I have something to offer. Sometimes I feel... um, Powerful one. I feel a little bit, like, selfish staying in Bellingham because it's so comfy. It's everyone here. I don't have to, like, explain my ideology that much to people because they're pretty much on the same page. Yeah. Um... It's an easy, 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 safe place to live. <laughs> yeah. And it's on the trajectory of waking up, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so I think, God, maybe I should go somewhere else where I can be a little bit more of service, like some some place that needs my help. But I don't know. I've been thinking lately that I do have a role in this community and validating myself instead of... Uh, undermining my own yeah. um, value. Anyway, so staying here has been really meaningful. But I, I don't know how long I'll be sticking around. <laughs> I like that, though. In, in indefinite, and I've used that word fucking correctly, finally, in <laughs> indefinite future is what we all have. Yeah, and anyone who thinks differently is a little bit confused. Yes, I agree. And just, I really like it here, though. There's kind of just been a, I don't know, an atmosphere that I've picked up of an overall perspective, a general perspective. Not Mm -hmm. everyone doesn't share it, but things overlap that are fascinating. Yeah, it can be a place of healing, for sure. And I, about indefinite futures, I have like, high dreams and intentions in Mm -hmm. my life and let that 
guide me like a magnet, you yeah. know, like on a compass. But each step along the way, I can, I must leave open yeah. to the intuition and the chances that happen. Exactly. Flip a coin. <laughs> it's so, because just, and that's like, that sounds like a really nice balance because you don't, you don't risk becoming something that you, not becoming something you're always gravitating towards, but becoming a false ideology. Right. Yet at the same time, having just that tinge of direction to where it's like, this is kind of where I want to go. And yeah. that's where I kind of want to be. Like, I kind of, I play around with that a lot because I used to have a very or constrictive idea of who I should become. Right. And I'm like, well, there's all these, like, set out paths. If I don't follow them, then I'm just, I'm not going to be good at this. And I found out that that's not <laughs> uniquely me. That's creating some, like, mono blob of shits <laughs> that just not interesting at all kind of empty yeah very empty it's yeah I think that that's what paralyzes a lot of people actually is this assumption that there's a should yeah no one likes to be should upon no don't should on me <laughs> I'm gonna go I used to get told that all the time <laughs> yeah, don't should on me There's been, and there's really interesting things too with um, homeless population magnetized towards this area. I know that, like, I don't know. The guy that explained it to me was. I come from this area where I don't want to be a Sumi. It's like, ah, that guy's just fucking crazy. But he, he was like manic. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he, be yeah, he believed he's lived like five hundred thousand years and uh, been reading. I don't see. I don't want to say to no. To say he has an unusual, or like uh, unusual uh, perspective. Uh, wait, what's the word? Un. Conventional. Conventional. Yes. Unconventional perspective. His so he has a very uncon unconventional perspective, and he talks about oh I don't know ley line. I looked into ley lines, and the guy said that he made them up. I don't know. But he, he said that there's, for a lot of spiritual reasons, a lot of people that he's encountered who are also homeless or attracted to this area. Mm -hmm. That guy's interesting, too, because your whole... Is this a homeless guy? This is a homeless guy, yeah. His name's Josiah. He's pretty cool. I think a lot of homeless people are attracted to this area because the food bank is so goddamn awesome. Is it really? Yeah. I don't know the story of any of this. I don't know anybody besides, like, a couple people in Bellingham. Oh, the food, food bank. bank. Wonderful. You must check it out. Really? Big box of food. Oh, goodness. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Did they... But... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I mean, know. that's part of the reason that low-income people can live here, yeah. I guess. And there's nice systems in place. But the homeless thing is a huge conundrum. I've had a lot more light shed on it now working with the parks. Uh-huh. Because it's a huge bane for the park staff. Oh. Because the homeless people camp in the parks. Yeah. And those who suffer from mental illness yeah. have habits that they bring into the parks that is really detrimental to the rest of the community. I like imagine. They find needles. Like, some of the guys came back from cleaning up a homeless camp and said walking into it was like finding a porcupine there were so many fucking needles holy from the drug shit use. and it's so heartbreaking you know mm -hmm. 
And we have shelters, but most of them you have to not be drunk or high yeah. to be there. Um, if I mean, regardless, obviously, don't do it. It's illegal. Stop. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're like, wait, what the fuck? Um, but it's doing that. That's, does, not, that's just the. It doesn't work. Symptoms. Yeah, at all. And it's, you can't, you can't, you cannot, I don't believe in any situation, just this whole idea of input output thing. I cannot change away an individual. An individual behaves on their roots like that. I can change the way a system behaves. I can change the way a political system or like a business or a group of people behave, how they communicate. But an individual, your wants and your desires, so fucking what? If, I mean, the way that we do it now is just hurting our communities as it is. Yeah. I, someone explained it to me though, one of the um, people who chose to live outside Mm-hmm. Said that um, it's because all the houseless. trains run through here. Yes, houseless. I like that. Houseless. <laughs> They're like, I'm home right now. What are you talking about? Yeah. About homeless? I don't want to be anywhere, but right here. Yeah. It's uh, trains. All the trains come up to here, so That's, it makes it. They hop trains and come here. Yeah, they hop trains and come here. Interesting. But I thought that would be hard because of the border. So I'm like, huh, maybe that guy oh. had a. I mean, maybe that's how he got here. There's a. Yeah. As many people as there are, mm-hmm. that's how many stories there are. Yeah, exactly. They're all different. They are all different. One trend, though, is addiction, mental illness, and gosh darn unlucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or choice. Like, one of the guys you met was like, this is just my lifestyle. Like, I'm a tumbleweed. That's okay. Exactly. Don't judge. Blow and we do that over in other countries, if you think about it. Totally. Because Tumble around, but sleeping on the street corner and panhandling. Yeah, that, that part. I wonder. There's so okay. much that I don't understand, but I want to offer them my love. That's why I do the was interested in doing podcasting, because like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to be like, well, mm-hmm. here, here's all the solutions, because I have no idea about Right, yeah, I don't know this. how this happened. Just, just tell me about your story, man, and maybe, you know, we'll figure it out totally. as we go along. The bottom line that I found out, though... There was one that was kind of heartbreaking. Um, he was explaining, like, his situation. He was just like, I just want to get fucked up. I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. But, like, what did when you were a kid, mm-hmm. what did you starve for? And he's like, well, I, and it's crazy because I used to do BMX. Uh, I guess you'll run into someone who's like you eventually. But I used to do BMX when I was a kid. My dad is on bike shop, bike team, and all of that. And he was like, I used to do BMX. Mm. And he's like, what my mom told me, I was a piece of shit. And then he's like, my mom told me I was a piece of shit. My mom told me that I was a piece of shit. And he started screaming it. But he, his mental stability was never called in question in any of the conversation. Whoa, before. that was the thing that After. stuck with him. Yeah, and that's what seemed to crush him. And he had troubles with women. It's just like he broke where yeah. we bend usually. Whoa, no resilience. Yeah, no resilience. So resilience. And it's, that's something we need more of. I, I think... Pain... And suffering um, reproduces itself the same way that beauty and creativity and inspiration is reproducing. But I think that since it weighs more somehow, it like Mm -hmm. collects in these ways that is maybe heavy and scary. Um, Because notwithstanding the folks that are, are choosing to like live this uh, transient lifestyle. Yeah. There are so many 
so many people who I don't know I don't want to disable them by calling them victims yeah you know but I think that there are so many situations that take away people's strength mm-hmm. and health their health yeah their health I've, I've heard some interesting and very sad experiences from people losing everything because of a big surgery or something Whoa, like. yeah or veterans god yeah. support our troops yeah fucking really it's, yeah exactly it's, are you serious as long as you're useful <laughs> support us mailing them to the front line yeah and using you as tools nearly to be chipped away and broken and discarded. Yeah, that's a heartbreaking one. It I is. Sh- I struggle with the military. Then there's also a struggle with mental illness. Uh, Washington, believe it or not, I don't know how it is on a local level in Bellingham, mm-hmm. but on a statewide level, they uh, Washington's, as their legislation is, um, the way that they perceive people with mental disabilities is uh, as useless. And the reason why I say that... Like they can't pull their weight in the economy? It's a, Kind of. It's like they can't pull their weight in their economy and there's nothing to invest in them. So what they do is... Because I have know a lot of people who work in uh, with mentally disabled people all the way from adults to children mm-hmm. in, um, in the state. And it's bare bones. It's You're not allowed to teach them anything. Like, you're not, because what it is, is it's supposed to be assisted living. You get in trouble if you teach them life skills, and there's no programs to teach them the life skills as adults. Once they turn 18, the state says it's a waste of money, so they don't have any programs set up. So it's almost the same idea that it's your useless entity. That's fucking horrible, but I mean, legislatively, Mm. useless entity. And Mm. I think with homeless, as with people who are mentally disabled, the one capacity that every single human being shares is the ability to express themselves and create. No matter how weird or how strange that comes out, because if you well, as long as, the longer you suppress your self-expression, the more wacko it is when it finally comes. Yeah, out. people are like fucking jumping out from behind bushes on at Boulevard Park and like screaming at women running by. It's like repression. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we can psychoanalyze them from our very professional standpoint yeah oh yeah exactly I don't know why they're here but we no matter what situation you're at the act of creating almost always benefits and from every way that I've seen even from even if I create a bomb uh, yeah no probably not a bomb but like just well, my way of self-expression is, is by making loud noises and, and bringing other people's houses to burn down. And causing terror. Causing terror. That's my my self-expression. I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying, though, about how pain oh. is a self-perpetuating. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And almost... It's its own creative, destructive force. <laughs> so cute. And it's almost like it's, it's a disease, not in the sense of you catch it, but what you were saying is you, you perpetuate it. Mm-hmm. But like even cancer cells. Outside of yourself. Maybe it's kind of like cancer cells. We're the only fucking living things on this planet that does that shit, though. What? We're the only li- are we the only living things on this planet that does that shit, though? What, the Causes terrorism? Others to, yeah, have suffering because of our own suffering. Let me think about that. Well, there's no way to know. Yeah, there is no way to know. Oh, chimps, again. 
I thought of like Himalayan blackberry destroying habitat of other plants and animals. Really? Yeah. Oh wow! Does that that happen? Well, yeah. It's like a, it's like an invasive plant. So if it creates a monoculture and the diversity is lost, then all the creatures that depended on this interconnected system mm-hmm. suffer. But it's not like out of malice that that happens it's just because it got planted there <laughs> so intervention by yeah <laughs> humans. <laughs> humans pretty much and it's the and I don't know if they suffer or feel pain or if they just go alright well where's those berries that I did like <laughs> <laughs> there's some interesting things that are uh, pointing to that they have not found out yet but it's there's it's now safe to theorize or to hypothesize that I don't know why it would be safe it's a really bad way to put that but um it's now rational to be able to theorize and hypothesize that plants may or may not be intelligent. Is How can I roll my eyes for the recording? Yeah. It's now rationalized. It's, how would I... This has been known. It's They put it... They were able to put it through um, mainstream... Western science. Te- yeah, there you go. Western science. Yeah. That they show them that uh, birch trees sleep at night. Oh! It's, yeah. Oh! It's like... That's yeah. so nice. I mean, I, this is my worldview. That's yeah. why I'm rolling my eyes that Western science is catching up. I think it's... With, um, I don't know, traditional knowledge. It's Western science catching up with even, spirit, I don't want to say Eastern spirituality, but traditional knowledge. Traditional knowledge. We'll just put it that way, because yeah. I don't know whose traditions they all are. But I read this interview with Robin Kimmerer. Yeah. In The Sun magazine. She wrote this book called Braided Sweetgrass. She's an ethnobotanist, meaning she studies the relationship of plants to human culture. And she's also part of a native tribe that, that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. She's part of a native? Really? Yeah, so she's Native American and she has a PhD in botany. So she has traditional knowledge and Western science. And like uses those two ways of knowing to be the best person ever. Oh my god. You should actually look. Braided what? Her name is Robin. Oh. Braided Sweetgrass. Robin. K I M M E R E R. K I M M E R E R. E R E R. Sweetgrass. And she speaks of species loneliness, like I was talking about earlier. Oh. Um, and. Yeah, I guess just the value of communion and mutuality in the gifts. Yeah. Take receiving of gifts and giving of gifts. The whole the give and take kind of dichotomy. Give and receive. And everything. Give and receive. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot more. Yeah. I think that's almost ever existent in everything. It's just in, Yeah, I mean it's like the thing that we're losing track of, right? It's individuality, like individuality, like you were saying. Um, taking more than a fair share Mm -hmm. and the whole as far as like the fossil fuel industry that's what I would be referring to like extracting resources rather than exchanging mutual benefits working in a closed cycle where it is giving and receiving yeah uh, and that was was in a book that I actually read called uh, Ishmael yeah, yeah, I Fuck love that yeah. book. That book's fucking badass. But it was that whole idea as you have the two cultures and or not two cultures, just I don't know, two two mindset, two Wings. general mindsets of the beans. And it's like 
one it's in harmony and it's the giving and the taking your rainbows in the wrong spot by the way well Whoa. it's in the right spot but we need yes. in the wrong spot I told you there was the oh, I thought you meant over the sun. No, because the sun is beaming that direction. Oh, that's why I was looking over there. I'm glad you I spotted know how the rainbow. rainbow works. I know. It is it like crowning eye. me? Yes. Excellent. Yeah, actually, it is. <laughs> well, that's very auspicious. That is very auspicious. That's great that you've read Ishmael. And Ishmael was a big turning point in my life. And Perfect. That's the intention of that book. There. Yes. The awakening. It's the mushroom. It's the legal mushroom. Yeah. The legal <laughs> mushroom. <laughs> it's one of those pivotal books. It's, I probably would say, what, Ishmael, who is it by? Uh, Daniel Quinn. If any of you guys are listening to this, uh, I would probably read Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. <laughs> that was incredible. It, but it, it posed a really bad, like, not a bad question, but a heartbreaking question to me. And mm. I think it's more or less on the side of what to intervene in natural disaster would I be okay with another city or civilization separate from my own allowing us my son and I to die because, so that they can flourish? yes because if you take care of everyone then you have this excess population you need to be within your own ecosystem and let that cycle commence yeah he raises great, great questions and some hard questions hard questions great questions I love those hard questions, though. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so boring otherwise. I guess that's that's a lot of it, is it's fucking, like, the level, surface level, just boring. Yeah, I'm over it. It's, this life is <laughs> fucking fascinating. I mean, yeah. And, um, one more question, too, so I don't make you sit out in the rain forever. Oh, it's Even so lovely out here. It's a sun shower. This tr- tree covers it's doing the rain. Good. Yeah, it's fucking perfect. I'm getting a little spit on, but... Tiny bit. It's generally an umbrella. Nature telling you that it's here. Thanks, tree. I love wow. this tree. Bees love this tree. That's why I love this tree. Really? When it was just covered in flowers in the springtime and they were like, if you sat under it, the whole thing was just like, really? With their oh, humming. Oh my gosh, it's vibrating. It's beautiful. That is beautiful. And now the cedar waxwings love it. Oh. I've, do they eat here during the fall? What? Do they eat on the tree, the uh, cedar waxwings? Well, Let's answer that question together. What are they eating on the tree? They're eating the berries. Yeah. When are the berries on the tree? The berries are on the tree all the way up until fall, maybe? Or do they stay on and fall? Well, we're going to find out in a couple months. That is true. <laughs> it's the only reason why I ask. Idaho, snowberries, humming, mm-hmm. if hummingbirds eat them? Eat snowberries? I think they, yeah. It's the little red thingies. Oh, that snowberries are, on that. are white. Oh. Whatever these little red circle things are, they would come around to the tree, and what happens in fall is that they'd start getting, uh... Fermented? And then they'd get really drunk. And yeah. then they'd just, yeah, they'd be fucking crashing into the tree and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, totally. This, these cedar waxwings do that, so... Really? <laughs> yeah. Summer is prime berry time, and then they just stay there and ferment and turn into wine. Oh, gosh! <laughs> the birds just get schwasty. <laughs> Cavorting. Yeah. All animals partake in altering their consciousness, though. Truly. In deers. one way or another. Yeah, exactly. The baby cubs eating mushrooms and deers oh. eating weed. Snakes <laughs> meditating in the sun. Yes. I never talked about that. The, Beautiful. So what's the story of how the living arrows form? I'm curious. Of how they formed? Yes, of how they formed. Oh, what a great question. Um... Let's see here. I'm going to channel Tracy to give you, like, the real answer. He's really good at answering questions yes. and telling stories. You should interview him someday. I would love to. 
He's a beautiful speaker. Is he really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. He's really good at collecting his thoughts. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> I actually do want to get to sit down with him whenever he wants. To. Yeah. He'll be back in mid-August. Is he still up uh, north fishing? Mm-hmm. My goodness. Yeah. Eee! Oh. See him soon. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. <Okay. clears throat> so. the glee. Yeah. The living arrows. The living arrows is Tracy and Lauren and I. Mm-hmm. And previous to that, we were called Breaking the Spell. Breaking the Spell. Oh, I did hear your songs from Breaking the Spell. Yeah, and that was just me and Tracy. Uh-huh. We would play live, just the two of us. Oh, wow. Um, but on the album Breaking the Spell, it was, like, several of our friends. Yeah. Together. But Tracy and Lauren... <laughs> doing a bad job with this story. They played music together for, like, ten years in this instrumental rock band called The Endorphins. Insta- what? That's yeah. pretty cool. It's like dance rock. I don't it. really know how to explain it. I like it. It's very good. But they... We're winding down. I met Tracy in the end days of the Endorphins. Yeah. I'm a classical saxophone player. Okay? Oh, like, whoa. Grew up in the concert band. Um, and at that time, too shy to sing a peep in front of a single person. Yeah. Okay. Like, really bad. Um, and then his band, they broke up. He and I are starting this relationship, and we're both musicians, but we don't play music together. Because oh. he's like, you can't have that. You can't have romance and music. That's, yeah. Even though that was, like, secretly his life dream, I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. Um, but we just didn't go there for a while, and then we started busking together. He started writing songs, actually. He hadn't written songs in years. Really? When he and I met, he started writing these, like, masterpieces, and I was like, hey. Inspired. Do you have any idea how, like extremely good these songs are we should play them mm-hmm. we should record them actually and he's like okay so we recorded some of his songs as an experiment and then there were more and I was like well I'll write some sax lines to them he actually went to Alaska and left me with some demos and I started singing along and writing harmonies Ooh. when he got back I was like we should make an album like yeah. just let's make an album like, yeah. and so we did and that's when we were like, well, we got to have a band name because mm-hmm. we're recording. And Breaking the Spell was kind of our maiden voyage uh, first chapter. Yeah. It was like our mission statement. Uh-huh. We were breaking our own silence. And, oh, whoa. Um, yeah. Trying to start rewriting the cultural narrative yeah directly or indirectly his his songs aren't like activist songs all the time but it's it's like medicine of the people yeah um anyway so he and I did that for like a couple years a year or two we traveled around Mm -hmm. played shows people really liked it yeah and then we got back to Bellingham and Lauren started jamming with us and we're like, well, you're going to be in the band. We're going to record <laughs> another album. Um, and this was last summer. Tracy wrote this song called Living Arrows. Yeah. And um, in the song, he sort of uses that as a metaphor 
for like if you shoot an arrow while uh -huh. it's alive it lands and it grows you don't know exactly where it's going to land oh, but it grows wow. into its own life yeah um and that was our songs you know That's and that was cool. the other creations he's singing you'll have to hear the song it's beautiful that is so that just came out of him one day and we were like god that's such a great metaphor How yeah beautiful. and then he went to alaska for the summer and i was backpacking and reading this book the prophet by khalil gibran Ooh. yeah write that right down, down. <laughs> yes <laughs> gosh and i get to this poem or one of the pieces in the book and it's called on children uh-huh and I recognize it from this song that Tracy has showed me, which is this acapella band. Mm -hmm. They're singing like, your children are not your children. Um, they come through you, but they are not of you. You do not own them, basically. You don't create them. Yeah. Um, just philosophy. You know, it's a philosophical text. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's that song Tracy showed me. And I get to a line in the poem that says, the parents... Or your children are living arrows from which your you your parents as bows fly them you know, into the world and they go do their thing. Oh whoa! Okay, it's more eloquent than that, but that's the idea. Yes. And I was like, holy shit! Maybe he was referencing this poem with his song. Uh huh. I call him when I'm back out of the wilderness and go, did that song go all the way to the part? Did it have a line about living arrows? Yeah. And he's like, no, it ended like on this line. And so that part wasn't in the song, but he had, like, kind of shared that metaphor. Whoa. He found it in his own self. I don't know how. That is cool. Um, but hadn't known that poem. And so that was a serendipity. Yeah, it is very came. serendipitous. Um, anyway, then Lauren was with him in Alaska, and they were playing music together and singing together. And Lauren was, like, integrating with our, our music and proposed that when he joins the band... We changed the name to The Living Arrows. Mm -hmm. Just, I don't know, to signify the next chapter, Breaking the Spell didn't really fit anymore. Um, it was for that time. Yeah, I see. It was like our baby name. Shedding that skin. Yeah, exactly. And on to the next incarnation. That is cool. And... and so were you guys operating with the same intention on this? Yeah. And trying to kind of... Uh, yeah. Very much so. Which perspective? Like raise the vibration. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And like I've kind of been talking about, just trying to live by example through pure authenticity mm -hmm. and empowerment. That's not from ego, but instead is from like mutuality and unconditional love and acceptance, and just I don't know sharing sharing our beliefs and thoughts about goodness of the world and uh, I love that yeah you. bringing back consciousness of beauty and sharing the hardship together like I don't know it's easier to go through hard times together it is and it's it's crazy on how we don't realize how that other people experience the same hard times that we do. I know. How can we isolate ourselves so much? And I think celebrating and mourning in community, that might be a really big answer for us in yeah. getting through this next really challenging time in the world. Um, and yeah, just, just through music, we've, we're raising our voices. We want other people to raise their voices. Mm -hmm. uh, 
it's been really healing I think really yeah and do you guys have you guys done touring as the Living Arrows yet no we're actually gonna go on our first tour ooh where we're gonna go to Colorado in October for yes. two weeks and then we'll come back for two weeks and then fly to Iceland and Germany fly to Iceland and Germany yeah oh which gosh. is where Tracy and I went last two winters ago so did you guys go off of did you guys go to those areas because you're like there there was already interested <laughs> interest there or were you guys interested in going there um Tracy has family in Iceland and has visited there what that's cool yeah so he's been connecting with them reconnecting with them Ooh. so we went and played music and had beautiful times that's we're just gonna go back during the music festival airwaves Iceland airwaves uh-huh um and then in Germany, we also just have a bunch of friends, and our music was received there very warmly. Really? When we were there previously, and we played some really wonderful shows, and it was just like, well, let's go do Germany again and have it be an organized tour, because when yeah. we were traveling previously, it was very seat of the pants, <laughs> and we had a lot of lucky serendipitous breaks where we'd show up in a town and with our instruments in hand, and people would be like, oh... Are you guys musicians? Our band tonight canceled. Will you come play? We'll give you like 500 euros. And oh. we'll be like, yep, gosh, we'll yeah. be there. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so we're going to plan it out a little this time and hopefully have even more success. That's awesome. Yeah. It's going to be a big adventure. I'm definitely having some suffering over the hypocrisy of wanting to... Uh, become independent of the fossil fuel industry hmm. but like flying yeah be, <laughs> to having, Europe be, exactly having really? to rely on it for the sake of yeah so yeah. it's a little bit unnecessary maybe but at the same time if we feel called to do something we have the capacity to do it right now and we will mm -hmm. and we're working toward integrity and everyone is yeah I hope. Like, everyone who's working towards integrity isn't perfect yet. Mm -hmm. And the idea that nobody ever is perfect at all. Yeah, yeah. Think we it, can, we think, can rationalize everything that we do, but at the same time, I want to hold ourselves to, like, a higher and higher standard. Mm -hmm. Like, I saw this really cool tour of musicians go through Bellingham recently that was all bike-powered. They cycled here, and then their performance was generated they had stationary bicycles generating what? the speakers the sound system that is cool yeah anyway so i was like well damn that ha that's integrity right there yeah. but then again you'd have crotchety people saying well what are their tires made of rubber you yeah know? everything has some problems but we're hoping that we bring more good than mm -hmm. harm and that's that's what it is it's a push and pull it's never yeah. pure in its own sense yeah and it, if our hearts are leading us somewhere we will follow Rather than being paralyzed by doubt. Exactly. And, I, I don't know. And I, I think that it's all intention. Yeah. And I think that's what happens, too, on, like, the, where we're at. I don't know. Um, culturally, mm -hmm. with, like, people now, uh, they're being very particular about the words that we use. Yeah. With other people. And I know it's, and, like, saying that you can't say that getting people fired from jobs and stuff because they're using, like, words in the, that they associate with that harm 
but they're not meaning it because they have no intention to song because all it is is intention it's Mm. not the tools you use it's the intent that you have yeah and you can't (laughs) if you outlaw the tools you still have that underlying intention that you're which is powerful yeah so we're hoping that our our positive intentions outweigh our use of jet fuel (laughs) yeah yeah and 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 the dollar bill you know like there's all these things that are tainted with blood but i think we can use them as positive tools exactly i hope and stop operating in a deficit of not you guys but us as people Mm -hmm. with the more negativity outweighing the positivity and just Mm -hmm. kind of trying to trip that scale yeah have you listened to like uh trevor hall or medicine of the people is that Nako Bear? Yeah, Nako Bear. Um, Kiara showed me Nako Bear. Really? I heard one song. And that they operate similar, not not in your music, but I mean in the idea that yeah, it's yeah, they're it, on the home team for that, sure. Exactly, and there's like a Trevor. We're not working on this project alone. Thank yes. the thank. I don't know. Thank you. Yeah. Th- <laughs> thank, thank the universe. Thank us. Yes. <laughs> thank thank all of us. Thank you all. <laughs> and it's it's really interesting too because, uh, and I'm not. There's certain people out there who are doing like going to these. It's like you know that the Hari Krishnas are. There's certain people that are going to do those things, but not Hari Krishnas. Mm-hmm. They're like we have mindfulness now, which is meditation without spirituality. Mm. So it's kind of like they go over there to mm-hmm. to receive their inner peace without any of the woo woo. It's hard to describe that, but I you, hear you. They're connecting musically. These all these groups are all coming together of just this idea where it's, it's just a very open. wonderful movement. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, and I love to see that. I could already tell with getting to know you guys for the short time that I have mm-hmm. and that open mics and stuff that you guys are, were pushing and moving in that direction. And that's what really fascinated me because like I said previously is that I feel entirely alienated because I'm around the people who are in this particular mindset and I, I touch and get glimpses of mm. people who are in these other mindsets and mm. it's incredible and beautiful. And I'm watching the scale being tipped to everyone becoming that, to mm-hmm. changing, everyone to, becoming themselves. Yeah, and that's that's oh. the like perfection thing that you're talking about uh, previously. Is that instead of becoming an idea, though, I think we're becoming more of who we honestly are. Yeah, accessing the gifts that we each have to offer. I'm just reaching. I've in one of the biggest realizations that I've actually had recently and have confronted was uh, I met a very beautiful man and the reason why I say that is because he's very um, very well built I'm for far as I know I'm straight but the like so far I'd, yeah I'd look at him though and he he's very muscular muscular he's average height and stuff like that and then people I thought people would perceive him and you know or people perceive him as like very attractive and very uh, personality attracted to his personality as mm-hmm. well and I realized that that was the most insecure person that I've ever met talking with most him what? insecure person I've ever met oh god heart to heart like and I realized that nobody approaches him because they think he's so beautiful but he's only be- so beautiful because he works on it so hard because he's so insecure Mm-hmm. It's this self- There's definite conundrums like that. Just, yeah. I think I'm becoming more capable of like witnessing when people are radiant 
and then I find them beautiful because they're radiating love. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you seem so, like, I don't know, healthy <laughs> instead of um, a superficial attempt mm -hmm. at being socially, culturally acceptable and trying to meet the standards which are false. Very, very false. At least rather misleading. Yeah, and the... They're so, uh, what is it, delayed gratification that yeah. it takes time to end with the results. Yeah, if people, they'll know once they experience it that they become more attractive. Attractive in the sense of attracting people to their warmth like they're a candle. Yeah. When they're cultivating self-acceptance, mm -hmm. thus acceptance of others. I've witnessed it with myself. Like, when I feel better and I radiate... Um, that warmth mm -hmm. people are drawn in yeah. because they're like oh it's a comfortable and safe place to be and like I will share with them mm -hmm. that love because I have plenty it's not like I'm starving to death and gonna devour their compliments or something. Yeah, exactly it's like not a um, not from the the ego I guess it's, another word I wanted to use. You, um, I think we all flavor each other, and maybe also you influence and inspire people to become more of what they're already doing or what they want to do. I hope so. They become attracted to that. Yeah. And <laughs> if they are aware or they are inspired, they're attracted to you because you inspire them even further. Yeah, it's like this very positive feedback yeah, loop. You feed each other. It's a positive, positive feedback loop. <laughs> it is a positive, positive feedback loop. <laughs> I've I've really learned that from... Uh, I work with people, a person in a van uh -huh. for a really long time, for like eight hours a day, every day. <laughs> and it's the same fucking person until they switch it for some reason. Eventually I'll be alone. But I've been doing this for six months, and I'll be with one person for two months or a month. And... I realize it. I realize the people who, who produce this, this sense of negativity, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to be aware because I don't want it to be like, I don't want it to be me. I want it to be, come at it from a place of compassion. What's going on here? And right. why? Rather it, than contagious or defensive. Yeah, and I realize that every single human being's personality is contagious if mm -hmm. they're with me more than one day. And, and even, like, the smallest way. Do even, you think you're more susceptible to taking them on, or you... Or people take on what you're putting out. Like, are you more of a receptacle? I'm more of a... Or do you set the tone? I'm more set the tone. Because mm -hmm. the biggest thing that I've realized is big words. Uh-huh. And I don't do it... I do it in different situations or, like, around different people. It's kind of weird. But mm -hmm. I'll use words and... Uh, like, serendipitous, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, you use serendipitous and I'll be talking to this guy who... He uses smaller words black or gray doesn't matter I don't care you use whatever word you want but then all of a sudden he'll start using a lot mm. of the words that I'll use and I'm like oh that's mm -hmm. really interesting and I look at around like other people around me and I start picking up on these things I mm -hmm. look at myself and like, huh but it's usually the other way it's more I influence you mm -hmm. I, and I hate saying that because my inner me says stop that you can't like it thinks you sound uh self-indulgent yes very self-indulgent well you gotta turn off that inner judge and just try to be honest <laughs> that, and that's what I'm coming to now is with like poetry has always been a, a place where I can 
just be. Mm-hmm. But I'm learning to do that all the time now. Right. In MMA and stuff, I tell my coach or whatever that, like, because um, things that I would never, ever admit to people, I just admit randomly to people that I'm sharing moments with. Yeah. There's nothing in you my head. You don't have to like, be self-conscious. Yeah. It's not what they're thinking. It's like, uh, I don't feel really comfortable right now, you know? I, I don't know. That's like, awesome. Do I come off this way? No? Cool. I'm not mm-hmm. a... F- there's, Check in. Yeah, and there's nothing holding me back from communicating anything with the person. Mm, I'm not that's tr- beautiful. Take away more of those barriers, <sighs> more of those veils. Release. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Alexandra. Yeah, it's been nice hanging out. We should be Absolutely. friends. We shall, we shall. <laughs> you just have to...